Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. Our lines are open at 1850 104 106. Well, for many, today is the start of Christmas. Why do I mention that? Well, it has nothing to do with shops opening or pubs or restaurants or whatever, getting the Christmas tree. It has all to do with the toy show. And I think it's like a three-hour extravaganza tonight, which should lift the hearts of many people across the country. Uh, so the toy show tonight and everybody's getting ready for it. We did a Twitter survey uh, on the best way to enjoy the late late toy show we're asking people if you had a choice between or what would you be wearing PJs or onesies we have an interesting response to that survey on Twitter and I'll give it to you in a few minutes time but I need to clip along really quickly because there's a family that are under pressure to get away it's the Pinto family down in Middleton and they're off to Dublin and they're off to the toy show Mammy Diana joins me by phone good morning Good morning, Neil. Oh, you're very excited in the house. Hello. We are. (laughs) Can you hear me all right? Good morning, Thomas. How are you? Good. Tell me about what's happening today, my little man. Sorry, Aiden, I should say. You're going up as Thomas, the tank engine. Tell me what's happening today, Aiden. We're going to to Dublin. (laughs) And what will you be doing up there, my friend? Showing them all my toys. Wow, you're going to the toy show. Do you know? Yes, 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 yes. Do you know you're one of the luckiest little boys in Ireland? No. Yeah, you are because not everybody gets to go on the toy show, so you're very lucky. Thank yeah? you. You're welcome. Are you excited? Yes. And tell me, will you be looking at any particular toys up there? Somebody told me that you're a fan of Thomas the Tank Engine. Is that right? Yes. So what will you be doing? Showing them all my toys. Because you're the expert, aren't you? Yes. And have you told all your pals in school that you won't be in today, that you're going to Dublin? Yes. (laughs) Are they jealous? Yes, they. Also gave me a staffer ticket and a badge. A badge? What does the badge say? Official toy tester. <laughs> That's fantastic. How old are you, little man? Eight. What school do you go to? CBS Primary School, Audrey Place, Middleton, St. Mary's Road. Well done. Do you love it? Yes. And have you your Santi letter written? Yes. And what have you asked Santa Claus to bring you? Well, when the Flying Scotsman. The Flying Scotsman. Oh, you love your trains, Aiden. Yes. The Flying Scotsman. That's a lovely train, isn't it? Yes. And will you be leaving out something for Rudolph and for Santa Claus on Christmas Eve? Yes. Lots of biscuits, lots of cookies, I suppose. No, I'll just be, I'll be leaving Santa biscuits, cookies, mince pies. <laughs> if you leave all of that Lots stuff... Of milk, milk and Rudolph a carrot. Chocolate milk. Santa Claus's belly will explode if you give him all of that. <laughs> 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 you come down and there'll be chocolate milk all over your, all over your Flying Scotsman train. <laughs> So, are you driving up to Dublin with your mammy? Yes. And is she there with you? And daddy and and sister. Oh, what's your sister's name? 
Ada, she was the first baby in Cork 2020 and second in Ireland 2020. Was Ada the first baby born in Cork on New Year's Day? Yes, and second in Ireland. Wow, you're a very famous family between your sister being the first born in Cork and you the first boy that I've ever spoken to going up to the toy show. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, is Mammy there? Could I have a quick word with her, Aiden? Okay. Bye. Have a great trip. Thank you. Bye. What a lovely kid. <laughs> what a super kid. I mean. Diana, he's a super kid, isn't he? <laughs> He is. He is, yeah. Oh, he's very a gra- proud of him. You're very proud. He's a grand little chatter. So he's ready to rock, is he? He is, yes. How he did he how how did he manage to sort how did you manage to pull that one off? Uh, it was the last minute, um, uh, you know, we made the decision, like my next door neighbor, now Deborah Desmond, she just kinda said, Well, we'll put Aiden onto this, you know, apply for the toy show. Yeah. And so we didn't we literally got maybe Two twice trial on Aiden, and we just sent a clip of the is the train collection and just a bit little bit of talk and. Um, I see. You sent a little video clip, and he's got yeah. lot. Yeah, and they saw all of his trains, and they loved all of that. Uh, yeah, and he just said, he just said uh, about a couple of his trains, you know, the facts, and um, then we got the phone call. Then after two weeks, saying that he's uh, selected for the audition. <laughs> he's a lovely little <laughs> fellow. He's going to have a great time. You know that. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was mad about the Thomas the Tank Engine. Like he has about, uh, I say, nearly 300 to 400 trains at home now. Ah, get out of here. You're exaggerating. 400 trains? Yeah. He has every single uh, train from Thomas the Tank Engine now collection. Where in the name of God does he keep all of that stuff? Are they all in the basket now? So we'll have to take them up to the uh, studio. <laughs> Have you got a have you got a big car, a van? <laughs> we have a big enough, all right. Okay, so when he's on TV, what will you the rest of the family be doing? Oh this uh I think it's only one parent is allowed to go in with the uh the child. So we don't know. We'll be maybe waiting in the green area, maybe waiting area. Going to be a great day because everybody's so excited about tonight. Let me ask you a little bit about Ada, the first New Year's baby in Cork this year. How did that happen? Where? I suppose the CUMH? It was happening in CUMH, yeah. Were you in the papers and everything? I was. <laughs> oh my God. What a great year. What a great year. All right. Well, drive safely. It's a little bit foggy this morning, so mind yourself heading up. Thank you. Thank we'll, you. We'll all be looking out for Aiden and his Thomas the Tank Engine trains tonight. Yes, yeah. I think it's about half past ten, I think. I'm not sure now, but I said they're going to, that his time slot would be about after half ten, I'd say. I'd say that's the latest he's ever been up, is it? Yeah. He's a happy little, he's a happy little chappy. That's great. Listen, have a great day and enjoy it, all right? Thanks, Neil. Thank you. Thanks so much for taking the call, yeah. Diana. Regards to all the family. Cheers. Thanks. Okay. Have a great day. You too. And especially little Aiden, aged eight. And he's representing Cork on the toy show tonight. Lines open at 150 104 106. You can text 0868 104 106. We'll pick it up for the papers after these. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM.
104 to 106 Red FM. Okay, the Late Late Toy Show will air tonight at uh, 9.35. What was the, what's the best way to enjoy the Late Late Toy Show? This we asked on Twitter. 86% of respondents, and there were many, said, in your pajamas. 14% said, in your onesies. So there'll be nobody wearing any kind of proper gear at all. Uh, 86% will be in pajamas tonight. 14% will be in onesies. Lots of very funny comments, actually. Many people enjoying it will be enjoying tonight in their pajamas with party food all the way. Apart from Richard, who said, I'd rather, ra- rather watch paint dry. <laughs> Each to his own. Um, and then, of course, many of the papers are dominated uh, by uh, the lifting of restrictions. Now, it was a story overnight of a Derry bus that was planning to do a trip from Derry to Dublin for a shopping trip because... Uh, Northern Ireland people were going to have an awful lot of time now with everything shutting down uh, while we open up uh, the UK and Northern Ireland uh, are closing down. So there was this ad put up on social media. It read shops closing in the north at 12 midnight. The south is reopening on Monday. Uh, let's grab, let's get seats sold to have a relaxing day in the biggest shopping centre in Ireland. The plan was to come down from Northern Ireland to do a day shopping in the Dundrum Town shopping in Dundrum Town shopping centre on December 5th. That post has since been removed. People freaked out about it because the numbers in the north are very high uh, and the company involved has released an apology. The Echo this morning's front page talks about the median age of somebody who contracts and tests positive with COVID-19. And apparently in Cork, the median age is 17 years lower than the national figure. The national figure um, is um, in the 30s, right? 36. Uh, whereas in Cork, for the week that they looked at, November 16th to 21st, the national number was 36 years of age, and in Cork it was 19 years of age. So you got to wonder whether that had anything to do with partying outdoors and people gathering in the city, or maybe school-related. Like, for instance, the, the Cork Primary School that was the centre of an outbreak, which was Gwaleskull, Idris Gjol in Glanmire. The principal says that uh, she's very upset uh, uh, beyond belief by the forced closure of the school for the two-week period. 17 pupils and staff were identified to have contracted the virus. Now, this is um, this is the, the issue when it comes to young people, anybody from, say, 17 or 18 years of age down. But I, I'm, I'm often wondering as to... They, they said the magic number was 199 to open up everything, but 335 was the number yesterday and three deaths. So I'm believing that this has much to do with politicians themselves in the doll, TDs, pushing back against Neffet as anything else. Like the examiner this morning says three COVID deaths, 335 cases. So where's the, the magic number we were supposed to get to at 199? Incidentally, there's a car on fire in Mayfield at the moment, just at the traffic lights by the Garda station. There's no one at the scene, or at least there wasn't when the text came in, but it looks pretty dangerous. It's a bad car fire, so bear that in mind. Red Tops this morning, wine and dine, W-H-I-N-E. Ministers are the ones that are whining, and we're the ones that want to go dining. So we'll find out later on today, probably late afternoon, as to what and when. The deal is, will it be uh, Friday this day week or will it be Monday week when they open the restaurants and the gastro pubs? No luck at all for uh, the wet pubs, but a lot will open um, with regards to retail on Wednesday of next week. I know, it's confusing, isn't it? And then will it be the Friday of next week or the Monday of the week after that the restaurants and the gastro pubs? We'll have to wait and see later on today. Proper order is a headline uh, in the sun today. Restaurants and gastro pubs being allowed to reopen in early December. Give them a good three, week, three weeks, three weekends 
up to Christmas then to make some brass and for people to have some fun. Um, this morning, the star says, season of good cheers. Foodie pubs and restaurants get the Christmas reprieve. Um, cabinet will defy a hooligan on Christmas. Pub meetings better than big mad house parties, they're saying. But when they say pub, we're not talking about the traditional pub. Sure, we're not. Um, of course, then we hear all of the wacky stuff that you're told to do over Christmas. So the mirror is saying, if you're peeling spuds and prepping uh, in the house with other people in there, peel the spuds... <laughs> Peel the spuds in a different room. Wear a mask. <laughs> this is according to Irish health experts. And then, of course, over the water, millions are going into tough tears until the middle of January. So while we're opening up, the UK is closing down and battening down the hatches. The Yanks ignored pleas to stay at home for Thanksgiving and they went wherever they wanted and did whatever they wished. So they're all kind of like the, the COVID and Christmassy type stories. Lovely story making the papers today with regards to the Northmont School, where Christmas arrived early up in the Northmont Primary School, and they decked out the school, fair play to them all, in a winter wonderland theme right across the school, and even Santa Claus apparently turned up to help them with it, and lovely photographs making uh, the examiner on that one uh, today. Of course, the issue then involving Seamus Wolfe, this couldn't get any worse, could it? And then it does yesterday, with the Minister for Justice saying that Leo Varadkar actually said to her... Uh, that Seamus Wolfe would make a good appointment. Well, um, the opposition have seized on that one. Uh, I mean, you know, was it him telling her that he'd make a good appointment or telling her to appoint him? Um, you know, there's a lot of cronyism still going on in Irish politics of that you can, receive, you can see. Papers also say, pick up on yesterday's announcement by Simon Coveney, that Santa Claus and his sleigh have now been deemed an essential service. So all of the boys and girls will be happy to know uh, with, I don't know, was it 28 days left now at this stage, that Santa Claus has been given the green light to travel around Ireland, which is great news. Magic man like him, sure he wouldn't get in anybody's way. And today's Black Friday, so they're suggesting that Irish people will spend and 269 euro online today uh, for Black Friday. Are you joking me? 269 euro in your dreams. It will be a hell of a lot more than that. Mind you, God knows how many people could afford it. But you see in the papers then today also, they talk about those that will get a pop payment and those that won't. I think it's very unfair because um, not everybody will get the Christmas bonus. There'll be about 1.6 million people will get the benefit. So everybody on welfare payments will get the bonus at Christmas time. But only those who've been on the pop payment for at least 17 weeks. So if you're on a pop payment for the last 15 or 16 weeks, or indeed the last five or six weeks, no Christmas bonus. I think that's very selective and it's unfair. I mean, why would you put, um, you know, either people need help or they don't. Um, so why would they be putting a six-week, 16-week rule on it, a 17-week rule on it? And then papers also this morning talk about, um, I'll be very careful about this just before I move on. You're aware of the big whodunit at the moment, right? The undoing. I, I won't spoil it. If you're recording them all to watch them all in one go, I'm not going to spoil it for you, I promise. But the last episode is this weekend. So the plot so far, I can't go into because a little spoiler for people, but the mail this morning does and it goes through the different suspects. So for those of you that haven't watched it at all, you might want to block your ears for a couple of seconds, like say 10 seconds. The plot so far says there are seven suspects. The doctor himself, as in Hugh Grant, the wronged wife, the betrayed hubby, the dominant dad, who'd be Donald Sutherland, um, the troubled son, see episode five, or the bent detective. It's a good show, isn't it? Take your pick from the murderer and that lot. 
Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. Free Food Friday again today with Oak Farm Pizza. So text uh, where you are and who you are to 086-810-4106. You may be in the office. You may be at work. You could be in the factory, in the warehouse, in the retail shop, whatever it is you're doing. If you're essential, you might be working from home, looking after the kids. Maybe your work is closed and you're at home. So all of you uh, can enter in Free Food Friday these days. Okay, so text who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106. We have more than one winner every week, which is great. We have 10 vouchers for pizzas to give away. They're the large ones from Oak Fire Pizza, Princess Street, Clonakilty and Bandon. You can order, click and collect yourself, oakfirepizza.ie. So good luck to them. And we'll come back to that with shout outs across the morning. Lines are open at one 850 It's just a fast one here. Marie, good morning. You were in the English market yesterday, was it? Yes, at about 2pm and um, there's a beautiful building. It's at the corner of Oliver Plunkett Street and Grand Parade. It's called Property House. Right. And it looks really beautiful when it's a sunny day, which it was yesterday. So there's two small um, bay windows overlooking the Berwick Fountain. Very old bay windows, yes. Yes. And above them, there's an ornate frieze, which is really unusual. So it's like these two... Um, golden faces with open Sorry, eyes. I missed you there. The line's shocking. Two golden yeah, what? Sorry. Describe them. Two, two um, golden faces with, with open mouths. And they were removing, there was workmen removing one of the freezers yesterday. So um, I made inquiries to see whether there was planning permission to do that. And Cork City Council hadn't been contacted. Um, and when I went back at 4 p.m., after I made inquiries, one of the freezers was still there. But it's just that there's, I mean, it's so sad when there's beautiful buildings like that. And, you know, once something's gone, it's gone. And it seems to be happening an awful lot at the moment. So I I don't know the story behind it, but the building, I I had a look into it and I have a book um, going back to 1875 and it actually says that in 1875 there was Egan's Jewelers that were living there and a dentist who was also an Egan. So I don't know if they're, they, they're anything to do with Egan's Jewelers on Oliver Plunkett Street. Um, mm, possibly you know, like, Egan's on Patrick Street maybe back oh, in the day. Mm, yeah. yeah, It's Keynes on Oliver Plunkett Street. But is there work oh, being done in that building? I have no idea. Okay. I know that uh, Cork City Council said they hadn't been contacted about removing the freezers. And did they go over the council or anything? Yeah, the um, Carol Flynn, she's the conservation officer. She actually came straight over with me. She whistled up at the workmen and said, look, um, you know, you're not meant to make significant changes to a building without informing Cork Well, City she got over there rapido. Ho- hopefully, well, well, hopefully. One of the freezers was removed, so there's one left. Yes, but it may only, I don't know, you see, there could be a temporary thing to do some renovation and put them back up. I don't know, but uh, you're still meant to contact the council, you know, because it's an historic building. And the thing is, that whole area, you know, it's really important. You know, it should have conservation status because it's overlooking Bishop Lucy Park. It's a beautiful building. I know the building well. Yeah, I know. Really, but it's so unusual. I mean, there's no, there's very few buildings that I'm aware of in Cork City Centre that have freezes like that. Well, I do. I do recall when people started to try and do work for Super Dry in the modern building, the modern on yeah. Patrick's. They were stopped and told put it back the way it was. So at yeah. least Cork City Council came over and stopped. You're saying they actually stopped whatever was going on? 
Well, they're, they're, they, the second piece hasn't been removed. So one's gone and one is still there. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, well spotted. It's very important to spot these it's things. Called, it's called Property House. It'll be interesting to know the, the history of that building. Uh, I, anyone, yeah. I will make a call to Councillor Kieran McCarthy, the Cork historian, see what he knows about that building oh, for sure. Yeah. And also put an inquiry into Cork City Council, but they were yeah. quick to go over and ask questions. And oh, she was really nice, but it's just, it's such a beautiful building. Like, it looks so beautiful, especially in the sun with the gold it's and everything. It's a gorgeous everything, building, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful bay windows. They're, they're pushed out windows out onto the street. Yeah, they're they gorgeous. are. Two yeah. little bay windows and the freezers right. are directly above them. Thank you so well, much, Well Neil. spotted, okay. Thank you for the tip Thank and we'll you. see what we can do it and get some more explanations on appreciate it it's important to keep the old eyes and ears open as, as we head around uh, beautiful city lovely actually great to walk and even better to cycle you don't see as much in a car I think these days which is unfortunate and it's gorgeous at night now with all of the lights such a wonderful effort has been made I was talking about the, the pop payments earlier on and this criteria that you have to be 17 weeks on it to get the Christmas bonus unless somebody can explain why that's okay uh, I don't get that, but I was telling you earlier on that a lot of people who have part-time jobs, particularly students, were getting the pop payments and didn't want to go back to their part-time jobs because the pop payment was too high. Uh, here's an interesting take on that. I wonder if you could ask a question of your listeners as to what to make of this one. I've been speaking to some of my daughter's school friends who are all leaving cert and are 18 years old. Many of them are getting the COVID-19 unemployment payment of €203 Euro a week from part-time school jobs where they were earning €40 Euro a week while still in full-time schooling. I was in shock to hear this. How can school children who are not otherwise entitled to social welfare get this payment of €203? Euro? Surely it's a gross mistake. I'm self-employed, running several businesses where I usually work seven days a week. I was told to close during Level 5, but yet I only received 250 a week in pandemic unemployment payment. The system in this country is a joke. I've just been on to social welfare to hear their side and they admitted that what I told them about students with part-time jobs is true. They neglected, you see, to put a question on the POP website where you declare whether you are in school or not. This means that as long as you are 18 and have pay slips in the last year, even if it's only a Saturday job while you're in school, you get the full POP payment. All the students have to do is go on to the social welfare website, register their details, and it's in their account a few days later, there are no questions asked. All over Ireland, Leaving Cert students can avail of this if they've had a part-time job, even a day a week. Can you imagine all the money that's being wasted that we'd be paying back in our taxes? This is so wrong on so many levels. As secondary students, you cannot apply for the dole. If you could, we would have no one even in school. They'd be all sat at home getting paid for nothing. Why is this not in the newspapers or on radio? It's a disgrace. Don't give out my details because of my business. Well, I did mention it two weeks ago because I spoke to some business people who are finding it very hard to get staff because the staff that they had won't come back to work because they're, they're applying for tests, right? And then they're applying for another and another and reapplying. And while all that's going on, they keep getting the pop payment. Others won't come back to work because they can get the payment because it is very loose. It's taken on your word. There are no checks. All you do is apply and you are right. They get paid then, even as you say, if they only had um, maybe a, a day a week or six, seven hours a week. Say if they were making, as you said, 40 euro a week um, for a part-time job, they're now getting 203. And it's wrong on others who need it really badly. But it's also wrong because it means that um, 
many staff, many people can't get staff to come back to work because the pop payment is too attractive. And what happens with that then? I guess a lot of the money that they're making on the pop then, they're spending online and online shopping and it's going out of the country. So it's far from win-win in any way, shape or form. Lines are open at 1-850-104-106. You can text 086-8104-106. Pick up the phone. Uh, across the morning as well, we'll have some more of our uh, Just Like Home hampers to read out. Uh, and then next week, of course, we'll start picking winners and posting the hampers to the four corners of the globe. But uh, got a lovely email in from Brian Clark. Um, and he's a chef, uh, chefing in the Briar Rose. But he's a lot more than that, lads. And a very interesting story to tell. Brian, good morning. Good morning, Liam. How are you? Head chef in the Briar uh, for over a decade now, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I I moved to Cork uh, about 15, 16 years ago and I was in Ecos in Douglas before I moved up to the bar. You know something? When the restaurants reopen, uh, Eco and Douglas and the Briar are two of the places that I want to go to most. <laughs> Ke- hashtag, yeah. keep it, hashtag keep it local, as the fellow says. So you'll be, yeah. going back to, you'll be going back to work, you'll be rushed off your feet in another week. Yeah, yeah, with this, and usually it's, uh, it's seven days a week in December, uh, you know, you, you look forward to Christmas Day and having it off, and uh, it's St. Stephen's Day, um, but uh, this year, uh, as we'll get on to later on, uh, Christmas Day is going to be a bit different for Yeah, everybody. and good for you on that, but a sad year for you with your man passing away in April, wasn't it? Yeah, she passed away in April, um, and... Uh, it was difficult uh, with the funeral, uh, you know, arrangements, only 10 being allowed. And she's from a big family. Uh, she's six brothers and seven sisters. I know. Uh, so uh, with her kids and grandchildren, we could only pick one of her brothers and sisters to come into the church. So there was a lot of people outside the church, you know. And um, uh, when we got to, we actually drove from Navin, where I'm from, uh, to uh, Cavan for um, the cremation. And when we asked him to drive through Kingscourt, uh, and Kingscourt would be about a 20-mile detour to get to Cavan. But when we got to Kingscourt, she's out of Kingscourt over 30 years. And when we got to Kingscourt, there was about 1,000 people lying in the streets. Isn't that incredible? That small, that small town um, thing, you know, when somebody dies, no matter how long they're gone from the town, they, uh, they don't forget you. I'd say it was hard not to shed a tear when you saw all of her neighbours come out like that. I shall nearly shed one now, thank <laughs> I can relate to you what you're saying, pal, because uh, when my mother-in-law, Kitty Lenehan, died, uh, we drove down through Dunlocker Cottages, and a lot of the residents there are elderly, not all of them, but every single one of them came out to their front gate, and it was one of the most moving things I've ever witnessed. Even thinking about it now again, it was incredible. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, just with, the, with, 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 with the lockdown, it just made it that bit harder, you know? Uh, and you do, do you mind me asking, was, was your mum's passing anyway COVID-related? No, it wasn't COVID-related at all. Uh, she she went down, she had been a bit ill in that, but uh, she went down for a nap and uh, they called her for dinner and she was gone. Uh, I, because of the COVID, we still haven't got a full autopsy report and that was in April. So we still haven't been given uh, the reason how or, you know. Yeah, and you know... I know that you've been doing an awful lot for, for the homeless and I know that uh, relatives of yours up the country have as well. Um, mm-hmm. Your mam's sister, Sonia, your aunt, had been yeah. cl- doing sandwiches and drinks and food and snacks and sleeping bags and everything um, for yeah, the homeless. She's an amazing woman altogether. Like, Kingsford, it's an hour and a half drive up to Dublin and it's an hour and a half drive back home and then it's two hours standing in the rain or the cold or that and she's like, She's she's uh, her on Facebook there. She's she's crying out all the time for help, and um, 
she's like she's in Kingsford County Cavan and she's helping the homeless in Dublin. So she really inspired me to do something when I got back uh, in Cork, uh, and I, I I couldn't I couldn't give every uh, like she does it every week. Uh, I had been the head chef in the bar once. I I I, I couldn't give up every week for. But I wanted to do something. But you were heading into town across September, October, November, though. Oh, we've been in so yeah, yeah, we've been in town, and we're going back into town now Monday night. We have a collection in the boroughs between twelve and four again this on this Sunday. So um, we were we put out an appeal. I started a campaign called Rosa, reach out to another, and uh, we collect uh, sandwiches, uh, snacks, drinks, minerals, crisps, you know, all that kind of crap. And we make up bags. Uh, so the first week we went out with 200 bags and we collected clothes. So I brought in uh, new hats, scarves, uh, socks, uh, sanitary towels and uh, roll-ons and all that. Oh, I know. Uh, I know. For, you, for, 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 for them to have a little wash-up. Personal and, hygienic uh, stuff and things like that. Yeah, baby wipes are a great thing. I know, I know, I know. Hot food um, and sandwiches to take away, and yeah. bottles of water, and you know. Yeah, so we had we we, we had boots a lot full of clothes and things like that. Yeah, we 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 give out a good few uh, jackets and and sleeping bags. And um, would you would you chat with those that come along? Oh, we I tell you, there was some characters. The first night we were in there, I I brought a lot of the staff. I wanted to bring a lot of the younger staff in the boroughs. So like, uh, I, 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 we've got twins that are uh, eighteen, nineteen years old, and. I uh, have another fella that's only started uh, college and uh, I have a, a girl, Jade, she's brilliant, uh, Jade Proxton. Uh, so I, I had to bring up on Jean, Jean, Jean's after leaving us, she to get an operation, but she's gone back down to um, down to uh, East Cork to her parents' house, McGrath, or to her parents' pub in McGrath, mm-hmm. so that's the door not open. But I had to bring a girl along to deal with the women, you know, so that they, they, they can do a one-to-one when Correct. they're looking for, yeah. for stuff. So, uh, but there's the first night we had a, an elder impersonator come along, and we couldn't get rid of him. <laughs> he kept singing. He kept singing in front of us, like. <laughs> but you know, like uh, you, 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 you hear, you hear great stories, uh, Neil, and it's anybody can end up homeless. Like you know, people think they're immune to it, like you know. But uh, it's it's just one wrong bad decision, and you don't know you can end up on the streets, like you know. And you get to hear the backstories, don't oh, you? Oh, they, 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 they'll be very open to you, like, you know, uh, and, you know, you'll, you'll have your chances, you know. And, 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 uh, you, don't, you guys never ask questions, though. No, there's no, there's no question. Yeah, no, like, yeah. there's, there's no question. Uh, I've, I, I've had, like, even people, that, you know, they're just out and just want to hack up a coffee on the way by. There's no question. Absolutely, but when you I was know, out, when I was out, um, I also noticed very sadly young girls coming along with babies in buggies. That's very upsetting, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it is. It is. It is. It's very upsetting. Uh, but when I say like it's 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 a very hard thing to say, and I, I don't even want to say it on the radio. But like when it comes to uh, homeless uh, in Cork, there there is. And there's a lot more, I'd say, uh, uh, help than other places in Ireland. Like Limerick has very little help. You know, Cork has, you know, there's Penny Dinners, there's the same community, there's Vincent's. Uh, when we were out on the streets uh, last month, there was four different charities out on the streets. I know, I know. 
you know. So, so wouldn't it be a great so, thing if there was a day when nobody was needed to be well, out we're, helping? We're, we're, we're none of us had, we're, would have to go out. You know, it's and, brilliant. Yeah. Did the mercy get onto you then, looking for clothes for patients? Yeah. Well, what we did is we put up a big. Uh, we put up pictures of. We were inundated with people, and the people of Douglas and Cork in general are very generous. Like when it comes to charity, I've I've moved around Ireland as a chef in my earlier years, and. I love Douglas. I, 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 I live in Douglas and I love, I love the people of Douglas. I love the people of Cork. They're very generous. And that's why I say, with my contacts and uh, what I have in the Briar Rose, it's easier for me to do something like this, you know? Mm. Uh, and we were inundated with clothes and all that can crack now. Uh, I put out an appeal originally for just jackets and sleeping bags and that can crack. But I, I said, then when people were coming in with bags, clothes, I said, look, I'll take it off. And I find I find I find a home for it. So we put up a big picture, and the mercy got on uh, to my wife, one of the colleagues in the mercy, knew my wife, and Emily. Uh, she, she, Emily, yeah, she did up, um, she did up a, a load of uh, outfits. Did, did no clothes for men, uh, homeless, and other men that would be discharged, and did have no clothes. Have and and I suppose some of them, out. some of them don't have clothing, fresh clothing or clean clothes to discharge because the family can't bring them up. And maybe they don't have a family member. Around, maybe that. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, they've been disowned or they've run away or, you know, one thing or another. Uh, when you so, when you talk of running away, this is extraordinary because, of course, your late mum who passed away in April, you said to me in your email that when you were five years old, your mum took yourself, your brother and your sister in the middle of the night and ran away from your dad. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, like... You know, there's 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 two sides to every story, and like my 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 dad would uh, say one thing, and okay, well uh, let's you know, let's not go no, into no, too much detail no, then on that. No, I, I, all as I know is that uh, a woman, you know, and and I I, I know that uh, my mom my, my my dad didn't treat my mom right, uh, so she had to get away. Like so, she took us in the middle of the night, and uh, and because there was no refuge in Calvin, she had to go through Meads to get to Dublin. Uh, to, we ended up in rap mines in Dublin, and uh, this is in the nineteen eighties. In do you recall it? How how old were you? Oh, I can. Yeah, no, I can remember being woken up, and uh, I can remember the following days. She spent her last two two years. It was Irish punts at the time. Her last uh, pound or two going to McDonald's and getting a McDonald's was just after launching. And, and I only know now that McDonald's was just after launching. And I can remember sitting down having a happy meal between the three of us. Like, but uh, like. Uh, it's like the refuges are uh, an amazing place. And where did you, did you go to? Did she take you to a, a refuge? Oh yeah, yeah. She she the Rat Mines was the nearest refuge to Kingsford. There's still nine counties in Ireland with no women's refuge. Uh, which so I, she had to get the bus with the small children. You you yeah, were five. Yeah, and I in bagged, the middle of the so yeah. So when a woman so she pa- she packed a bag and just left the house. Left the house, yeah. Uh, she always said, it was Tina Turner's birthday yesterday, actually. She always said uh, Tina gave her the uh, courage to do it because uh, she left Ike Turner at the time. And, uh, like, if a woman left her husband back then, the church disowned her, the community disowned her. So she had to get out of town, basically. How long did you spend in the refuge? Uh, we were in the Dublin Refuge for about six months and a place opened up in Navan, which would be halfway between Dublin and Kingsford, so she took that to be closer to some family. You and got a council uh, house? No, no, we got a, into a refuge. Um, Another one? 
What was that like for a five-year-old living in a refuge for... I don't know, it was the you best know, part of eight like, months anyway. When like when I was five, I, I know I thought it was exciting, you know, uh, in, in one way. In another way, like, uh, we were, in Dublin, we were in a room with uh, about, I think it was five or six other families. You, you got a bunk bed between between each family, like, and there was five or six bunk beds. It was overcrowded, unbelievable. When we got to Navin, we had our own little room. Um when we got placed in the house, it was it was, it, it, it was like it was like Santi came, you know, like it was it was amazing. Yeah, we each had our own little room. Like me, me and my brother had a room, and my sister had her room. And, uh, and as a five-year-old, did your mum or did you ask your mum what was going on and why you had left your home and this was all new well, to you? I I I I I knew like uh, okay. I, I I I would have known like uh, my brothers and sisters. They, they were they were a bit younger. I was the eldest, so uh, they were they were a bit younger. And um, but then when we did get a house, in, uh, and she had, she was working two jobs, and uh, everything was everything was going 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 <laughs> brilliantly. Uh, we went out in December on a Saturday, and uh, when we came back to the house, it was born to the ground. So we ended up back in the refuge again. How did that happen? Any three, idea? Three weeks before Christmas, uh, it could have been the Christmas lights. It could have, like uh, so it was an electrical fault. Or you lost everything. Everything again. Back into the refuge again with the clothes on your yeah. back. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, that's why um, I I wanted to do something. When after she passed this year. I, I always want to do something for the uh, women's uh, refuge. And that moves uh, us on to Edel House. Uh, with a, and yeah. you're saying there's 120 kids and 80 mothers at the moment. Well, yeah, myself and Finn. Uh, Finn, uh, Finn was on the show today. There, uh, my, my second chef, he was on the show there uh, about a week ago. Um, but uh, he's, a, he's a character, uh, Finn Lynch. And uh, myself and him... Uh, we uh, set up a meeting with uh, Claire Harrington and a colleague of ours in the house. So we went in and we were brainstorming what we'd do and, and I have a mountain of clothes left over from the first two collections and I have another collection now on Sunday. So I found out that there was a place called Euro for Clothes in Toker and in Blackpool. So I said, right, we could sell them. We also do a fundraiser in uh, December and we normally take about a thousand quid and Peter Fahey, uh, the owner of the Boy Rose, uh, he normally doubles it up. So last year, like we gave about 2,000 quid to Penny Dinners. Right. So so Peter got on board with my campaign, Rosa, reached out to another and he says he put that to me this year to do whatever I wanted. Good. Uh, so you got a couple of grand anyway. Does that yeah, involve I mean, then you cooking for... That's the ta- that, table. Oh yeah, well cooking. Uh, so we went in and we we, we asked them because they're, they're doing a big extension at the moment. So the, we we wanted to cook in Edel House, but the, they, they are in the middle of an extension at the moment to build on more family units. Uh, and they, they said they wouldn't have the facilities to do it. And they said that they'd normally take extra bodies to come in on Christmas morning. Now that they were they were so over the moon. Lame. I came out. I was I was on a, after the meeting. I was on a high for about four days. Uh, we went in. We basically told them that don't worry about Christmas dinner. Going. So Christmas morning, I've got on to my suppliers. CL Meats have given me all the meat and Palace Foods have given me the veg and potatoes and condiments. Uh, so 
we got on to, uh, we, we got on to them and we said we're going to do 250 uh, turkey and ham dinners <laughs> and they, they turned around to me and they were like officer oh, you, you know the kids you can just give them one between two and I said you know I've been in a refuge for Christmas and you know I, I know how people struggle I want every child no matter if they're two years old did you old. get a Christmas dinner in the refuge <laughs> I did but like you know uh, <laughs> it's you know the the refuge like those the refuge in Nazareth is small they could only do three or four families it's bigger now but like so it was one woman cooking like a big Christmas dinner like you know I know I'm sure a five year old wants to be at home I suppose you know but but, but you know you, you never want to share your, your dinner with your brothers and sisters in the first place no you want uh, your so, own but, dinner so, yeah. so I said I said forget about anybody sharing Christmas morning right? they'll all get their own dinner you know uh, another thing about my mum is I go up home the odd time for Christmas very very odd uh, being a chef and that but in my earlier years you'd never know who turn up at the if she if she throughout the whole year if she knew you were going to be on your own for Christmas, you'd have an invite to the cartel. I know, I know. Wonderful uh, and, woman. Very and, strong and, and, woman. And, and, brave woman. There, there, there could be people knocking on the door at 8 o'clock for Christmas dinner at night. Like, you know, open it, house. It, it, yeah. Open house. So right. there's 120 kids and 80 mothers in yeah, Edel House and scattered throughout the city in bed yeah. and breakfasts. And Edel House yeah. pay for those B&Bs and that. Yeah, they do. Uh, and you're going to cook. Where, where you, where, I'll tell you what, hold, hold that thought because I, I want to just come back after 10 and wrap up. I don't want to be rushing in the last 40, 50 seconds, all right? So hold on there, Chef, and I'll come back after 10. Text 0868-104-106. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. I'll wrap up with uh, Chef Brian Clark after 10. But as things reopen in the coming weeks, of course, that means you will be able to take advantage of one of our People's uh, Republic package giveaways at the Cargilline Court Hotel. So this is for a couple overnight or a family. Bed and breakfast and a four-course dinner, access to the leisure centre and the 20-metre pool as well. You can book yourself com, but it's day five another giveaway today this is different because it's not a movie it's a television series so I need the name of the actor the character this person plays and the name of the TV series again it's a hotel check-in do not call just yet I'll open the phone lines of this at 10 minutes to midday but have a listen should be straightforward enough I think the check-in is that way or maybe not I think the check-in is that way. Some people are absolute fanatics of this series, so you will know straight away, I guess. So it's a TV series as opposed to a movie. Okay, I'll go back to Brian in a moment. He was supposed to be on one, but he's not there, so we'll come back to that in a few minutes' time. Lines open at 1850-104-106. You can pick up the phone, give us a bell. Um, and in fairness, we're getting some lovely texts as well, congratulating uh, Brian for uh, making such a... Uh, great kind gesture and doing it for the last few months inside inside in the city but Christmas now is what we need to help them with uh, so Brian just to, just to wrap there appreciate you coming back my man so where are you going to physically cook the 220 turkey and ham dinners in the bar um, and where oh, yeah and where will people I, eat them we're going to deliver them throughout the city to the B&B's and Teedale house and have you got a fleet of transport for that well, we're working on it. Uh, Edel House says they'll help us out and we hope to, uh, that the guards uh, will give us the community bus and you know, we're going to open it up. Uh, we've been... We've, we've been in a... We've, we've been in a... That's my wife telling me he picked up the line. <laughs> uh, they, uh, she's listening upstairs. Um, so we've been... We, we, we have a lot of people... Wanting Morning, Emily. <laughs> 
<laughs> she's on the way back up the stairs. Uh, we've <laughs> had a lot of people wanting to uh, give us a give, give us a hand, like you know. And so, do you, do you need help with this? Because I think you want to throw in an extra Christmas present and a couple yeah. of the selection boxes so, as well. So, so, like, we'll know more later on when the buyer is going to be back open. But at the moment, we're open on Sundays for takeaway, carefree dinners. Uh, so, what I'm going to say is from the 5th of December, we'll be collecting new ties and selection boxes in the Briar Rose. Um, and uh, just we ask, it's, if you're going to wrap the presents... We just ask you to write down boy or girl and what age it's suitable for because we're going to have to wrap all the presents and, you know, uh, there's no point in just giving them a load of wrap presents and giving a, a, a two-year-old a present for an, a 12-year-old and a 12-year-old present. I get you. So that's you know. Sunday week you're going to start that. Toys Sunday with the week. name. Yeah. So, and I also, I've got a meeting with one school. I'd also love to, if, if, if they want to get on to you and you can give them my details, I'd love to get the, some of the schools involved. I think it'd be great for a, a child to give a present to another child the same age at the year. Well, you can work out the housekeeping with the lads. If there's a contact number that people want to get in touch, I'll, I can get that on the air if you want. But let, let's, yeah. let's do that and get it sorted and drive it on. But, but because with, with COVID and everything, you know, exactly. you know, you, you would need to deliver because they wouldn't be able yeah. to come to you and it'd be awful if people exactly. were gathering in big numbers. But it's, a, it's certainly a big challenge, but I think you're up for it. Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, I, I honestly think that I, I like I, I'd love to roll it out uh, in, in in other cities throughout Ireland as well. Uh, with, with the, I, I'm linking up. I'm trying to link up with other cities. I, I have a contact in Dublin, but uh, I'm trying to link it up throughout other cities. Okay, uh, okay. Well, good good luck with that. But for now, we're going to concentrate on getting this to work as best it can. You got the yeah. 220 turkey and ham dinners. Um, some Christmas presents, selection boxes, and toys. If people are wanting involved from Friday week at the Briar, just if they're wrapping it, to be, they have to, they have to be new toys, uh, you know, because it's it, it, it's Christmas morning. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Well, I'm going to push that like crazy over the next week or ten days and across December. Whatever you need, just that feel free. Brilliant. And sure, like if if I if I could get in touch with you, maybe the, the the week before finishes up, and if I'm short on a certain age. We can push that then, you know. Like not a bother, not a bother. Practice. I'll get the lads. We'll work out a couple of paragraphs here and I will regularly update people as to how you're going, all right? Perfect. And uh, just before I do go, uh, it's uh, the real boss of the Bray Rose's birthday this weekend, Finola Fahey. I won't tell you what age she is. <laughs> she, 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 she don't really kill me. <laughs> she um, hit you with a frying pan. <laughs> but because, because, because there's nowhere open and we can't have a party, if, if, she, if she, 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 she listens to you all the time, so, Finola, happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday, Finola. <laughs> no, Balaline. Listen, mind yourself and, uh, and do stay in touch and we'll drive it I on will. as best we can. Great, great story. Oh, uh, and um, your mother would be very proud of you as you are proud of your ma'am, that's for sure. That's brilliant. Thanks very much. Liam. Take care, Brian. Take care. Back after the break on 1850 104 106. An inspiring story. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850 104 106. Red FM. Uh, yes, indeed. So heartbreaking. Listening to that man's story of so much admiration and respect for him. Is there some way we can donate to this so deserving cause? Well, I think you have a better idea as to how you can now from Friday week, some Sunday week on uh, at the Briar. And I'll tell you more about that over the next week. You talk about restaurants and chefs and people working in restaurants. A lovely story in the mirror this morning of an Irish restaurant owner, Brendan Ring. He's originally from 
Cahir Savine, but he is the Nighttown Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. And he was closing up after daily COVID-19 cases began to surge across the state. On his last day, in came a customer. I see, I see the receipt in the paper this morning. The customer came in just at uh, one o'clock in the day, had a Stella, a pint of Stella, for $6.50. And when he was leaving, um, he gave over his credit card, signed for it, and left the tip. So the Stella Artois was $7.02, and the customer left a tip of $3,000. Um, apparently, uh, when Brendan saw it, he ran after him, saying, sorry, I think uh, you got that wrong, like it's, it's too much. And he said, he said, I ran after him, and he said, no, it's not a mistake. We'll see you when you reopen. Uh, apparently, the staff, the staff, some of the staff were crying because they ended up getting something in the region of $700 each when the tip got divided. I mean, it's incredible, incredible. 621 uh, euro to be absolutely accurate as to what the staff got each from the 3,000 euro, $3,000 tip for a bottle of uh, Stella or a pint of Stella. Wonderful, wonderful kind gesture from a fellow who clearly wasn't short of a bob in Fernstam. Another fellow who's not short of a bob is Michael Flatley. He sold out a, sold off a whole load of his own gear uh, out of uh, Castle Hyde yesterday at a big auction uh, and everybody was wondering who was going to buy Hannibal Lecter's mask. Apparently Flatley had Hannibal Lecter's mask and that was the mask that was worn and signed by Anthony Hopkins in the movie, of course, uh, and it sold yesterday in the auction for €85,000. He's not selling Castlehide. He was offered twenty grand uh, by a company to turn it into a hotel, and he turned that down. So instead, he's going to keep it, and he's going to refurb it. So he's saw an awful lot of stuff to get rid of, including the mask, including a full set of armour, including a snooker table, believe it or not, rifles, um, works of art, paintings, even his own Rolls-Royce travel case set, luggage to you and me, a framed signed photograph of Muhammad Ali, everything sold. Don't know how much you made for a lot of it, but it all shifted yesterday at uh, Castle Hyde. Maybe, maybe you bought the Hannibal Lecter mask. Maybe you had the 85 grand uh, knocking around to be able to buy it. Good luck to you if you did. A little bit of housekeeping, if you don't mind. Just give me a couple of opportunities because people send me a lot of their own products, small little businesses, and I like to give them a shout out. So good morning to Sharon Hussey, who started a company called Abina, Abina Masks. She sent me some of her beautiful masks. They're gorgeous. They really are. And some of the masks that she sent me are actually Christmas masks. And they've got all sorts of lovely Christmas decorations on them, including, of course, you'd expect Christmas stockings. So she set this up and she said, when the pandemic started, I found myself at home with my two sons so I began to make face masks it's grown into a little business and I'm still making them today my attitude to life is always to try and take a positive out of a negative so I decided that with every Christmas mask I sell two euro from each of the masks is going to the Make-A-Wish Foundation we all have to wear them so at least try and help a charity I want people to embrace them and have fun I would love I would just love any support or any bit of light you could shine on them so we can help a charity out of this crucial time and she sent me some fabulous masks which I'll distribute to the gang here and take a couple of home to my own team so thank you Sharon well done if anybody wants to buy one of our beautiful and a lot of them are Christmas themed face masks further details at www.abina.ie A-B-I-N-A dot I-E with a contribution going to make a wish. Then on top of that, I was contacted then by the three shop on Dawn Square and they sent me a photograph of uh, Niall and apparently Niall, who's the owner, has promised and, and is delivering on his promise that he won't cut his hair 
and he won't trim his beard until he reaches a particular target. And they're raising money at the Three Shop in Don Square for breakthrough cancer research in Cork. And they're trying to get as much um, exposure as possible. Uh, so he sent me a photograph, and this is um, up on the uh, Just Giving website. And the idea is to get 10 grand. They're already at over five and a half grand, so over 55% there. But Niall isn't going to get the haircut not that you could unless you did it yourself, or shave the beard until they reach 10 grand with all of the proceeds going to Breakthrough Cancer Research. So um, if you'd like to get involved and help, then you can just check out and donate whatever you can afford to uh, Just Giving. If you do a such on that, it's the Breakthrough Cancer Research. And this is being set up by the staff at the three shop on Dawn Square. So that's lovely. And also, just a quick shout out as well to all everybody at Skull Kleena, the Community National School in Carrigaline. They sent me their beautiful, beautiful calendar. I was look, I'm in need of a big calendar because we put a lot of notes on our calendars here in the office. So thank you for that. Got a lovely letter saying, please, can you give it a mention? The teachers and the pupils at Skull Cleaner National School, the community school, have collaborated to create this wonderful COVID safe, socially distant calendar. Why is it safe? Because it's got all of the kids' photographs on it. It looks fantastic. And it keeps the children in their pods and their bud bubbles. Um, and they use the Moon Tours jars, creative skills uh, to come up with this fabulous calendar. So a big shout out to all of the kids and the principal and everybody at um, uh, Skull Kleena Community National School in Carrigatool. And thank you for the wonderful, wonderful calendar. So that's a bit of housekeeping out of the way. Important to do it. A um, lot of text then. How is it, Neil, um, without anybody wanting to be a party pooper, I suppose, how is it that some people haven't seen their parents in six weeks while others can travel back and forth to Dublin to the toy show? Is it a case of RT breaking the rules yet again? Surely going from Middleton to Dublin is more than 5K. I don't know what to tell you about that. I really don't. The toy show has to go ahead. And I know that the toy show will be done properly with regards to all of the socially distance. Um, Tubbs was not caught in any of those photographs. <laughs> so I, can, I don't know what to tell you. You know, it's Christmas time. You know, give it a break, I suppose. Relax. Let the kids get up there to be part of the show to brighten all of our lives. And maybe once we could forget about this 5K limit. I'm listening to that lovely little boy from Cork going to the toy show. My son is 12 years old now and, um, and still an avid fan of Thomas the Tank Engine. He's got all of the trains and all of the stations and he even went to Thomasland. Yes, there is such a place. Uh, tell the little lad's mom it progresses to model trains, so she better start saving. Well, he's getting them for himself, um, the Flying Scotsman train, which is a big baiter of a train, so he is moving up a gear. Uh, anyway, thanks for those texts. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Just very, very quickly, because a uh, caller this morning, uh, I think it was Marie, spotted people removing um, some of the beautiful gold faces uh, on the property shop building uh, opposite the Berwick Fountain on the Grand Parade yesterday. That's a, that's a listed heritage building. Now, when she pointed it out to City Council, one of the council officers involved in heritage and, and things like that came over uh, and spoke to the workers and I believe stopped the job. But I did promise that I'd just quickly get a quick chat in with the Cork historian, Councillor Kieran McCarthy. He joins me by phone. Kieran, do you know anything about this? On Twitter and social media yesterday, I think Bean and Company actually released a statement that they were taking it down because the the, the freezes were collapsing. Uh, and I think by that particular point in time, I think the caller was Claire. She had actually gone to City Hall and 
got the attention of the assistant conservation officer who went down with her then to the Grand Parade. And you, I mean, if the freezes were falling down, that that's fair enough. But you need planning permission um, to take down such heritage um, murals or freezes. Um, so I think it's I I, I think the issue has been caught. Um, not caught as caught, caught in caught out, but I, I, I maybe being in company didn't realise that I needed planning permission to do that. Um, is it, I, what is there a property company that's in there? So we're saying. Uh, I saw the press release from Bean and Company. Uh, I know there's a Bean and Company are the coffee shop, aren't they? Yeah, okay. I saw the uh, yeah I saw their social media as a Twitter press release. Um, I mean, this thing has moved so quickly. I mean, the the, the caller that rang in this morning rang, rang me yesterday afternoon, uh, and in fairness, she had actually done much of the work that I would have would have gone after in terms of it, the enforcement in city hall and elements like that. Um, maybe there's a misunderstanding here. I don't know. Is there uh, a preservation order on the building? Uh, the building would be. I don't think it's a protected structure. So they can uh, do what they want with it, so can't they? Yeah, technically, um, but you can't. You need. You still need planning permission to take down buildings or take take pieces apart from buildings. Um, so you're probably dealing with a structure from about 1870. I I, I don't have the full history of it, mm, but I, I apart from the fact that it's beautiful. Yeah, and I'm just actually just some, doing some general desktop research going through all newspapers this morning. It looks like perhaps Egan's jewelers and clockmakers, that could have been their first premises in the city she said before that, they yeah. moved to St. Patrick Street. I came across references in the newspapers here now, somewhere around middle of 1870s, they moved to Patrick Street, and then that was the premises that burned down during the burning of Cork. Um, but I think you're, I mean, those freezes are absolutely beautiful. I mean, we don't actually have that many imagery of faces kind of across many of our buildings in the city centre um, so what's going to yeah, happen next do, do you know sorry what's going to happen now uh, well the, the Cork, Cork, Cork City Council have stopped their process so they're going to have to go through planning permission and if the freezes have to be taken down then the, the council will give them planning permission as soon as possible um, I think that's 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 the way forward. So I've no doubt that somewhere today the conservation officer is speaking to those to who who own that particular building. Um, I've been in company probably renting it out, um, but that was the only that was the only press that I saw yesterday. So maybe I, I my my gut is that it's just a misunderstanding what gotcha. you can yeah. do when it comes to old buildings. I, I don't think it was done on purpose. No, maybe they just want to building. secure them properly because even the owners of a building would understand the beautiful beauty of it. So they probably just want to make sure yeah. that they don't fall down and smash and put them back up properly. Uh, and in fairness to the owners, the last the last two decades like in particular I mean I just know from walking tours like I always I actually always point them out like because um, I always say to people always look up in the city and you'll always see something special I think we're also used to looking down at our phones and on the footpaths and so on but if you look up in Cork you always see some really interesting nuggets of things like oh I didn't see that before um, so that's just the one that's, that's the one feature I actually do say to people look up and there's, and there's loads around there like the Berwick Fountain as well and the story of Oliver Plunkett Street and the story of the English market there's so many stories that are all merging in that particular area so no I'm glad I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad that the, that the issue has been caught Listen, you sent me a beautiful hardback book in the post during the week. Thank you so much for it. I don't have it on my desk here today. Was that an Examiner publication? 
Yeah, it was a discussion it was you had a week ago or a week and a half ago. It was just on what exactly is the council actually doing in terms of commemoration, and that was actually one of the projects that I worked with with the, um, the Irish Examiner on. Um, and uh, for, I should say to you as well, like yeah, for free because I, I actually I actually enjoyed um, doing the transcription, and I'd worked with another gentleman as well, Cahill, to get the transcription done. Um, and I think it's a story that hasn't been gone out got out there in terms of what did the main people say during the inquest of Tomas McCartan. Um, and it's, again, it's just other nuggets or stories that we've forgotten about. Um, that we usually talk about the, the findings of the inquest, but the people who had to come into city hall, we'd say procession after session, the jury, the, the witnesses. His wife, family members. Yeah, uh, his wife. Like, what did what did his wife actually say? So, I mean, no, there's some really uh, nice, just real life stories of people. You can really hear their voices from a hundred years ago, and you can hear the emotion as well, like in their accounts that they're 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 giving to the jury. Um, so, no, it was, it was actually. Um, it was an interesting kind of publication. Unfortunately, it came out like in early March. So, like, we actually we haven't even launched it. It's not in bookshops. You can find it on irishexaminer.ie. Right? Good stuff. Um, it's a good book. No, I thought, I, I thought you'd actually have a, a huge interest in it. So, oh, I've been reading it. I have been reading it and will continue to do so. And I, I love revisiting the old photographs. Obviously, the examiner have all of those banked up from many, many, many decades. Hundreds of years, probably, if you go back far yeah, enough. Actually, I know one of the things I discovered recently is that the Irish Examiner Photo Archive is in Cork City and County Archives, and it's, it, it's in dire need of getting funding to completely um, produce. Um, so, from 19, whatever, 1880 to 1950, it's under lock and key because we, the council actually need funding to uh, reproduce the slides and, and digitise the whole thing. So, they're saying there's five years of work at whatever, 40 hours every week for, two to th- for, for one person. Um, so we need like something like two hundred thousand euros to digitise all the Irish examiners. And what would they do with them then? Would they be able to publish them or share them online or what? Share them online, publish them, give access to people. But it's a pro- it's actually also a project I'm, I've kind of mentioned at the commemoration committee that we need legacy projects as well. Like that would be a nice kind of legacy project. I know you discuss statues and other monuments and other things, but the digitisation of large, vast collections of old photos. Because um, actually, one of the things that came out of the witness to murder book is that I got, began to be contacted by people by by members of uh, family members of the jury people so you're talking about the great whatever the the, the grandson or the from the inquest is it yeah from the inquest yeah um, and they actually had photographs of their relatives and they were able to flesh out more of the context of why they were there and why they were chosen to be on the jury because um, some of the jury uh, mo- most of the jury were Sinn Féin reps so the, the jury was stacked against the RAC from the very beginning um, but it's just really really interesting to hear that perspective and just very just very quickly, what was the verdict of the inquest? Oh, they found against the RAC and that, like Oswald Swansea was the uh, the RAC superintendent was responsible and they found against the Empire and, and so there was various sentences like that um, within the findings. But because it was like an informal inquest, like nothing really happened. But uh, they didn't go on to a trial afterwards, the shooting of McCartney? Oh, no, no. So basically like, like the, this informal inquest found RAC to be culpable, but there was no, no no mechanism in place to charge the RAC or there was nothing in Westminster to do anything. But didn't the IRA then take McCartan's gun, follow Swansea to Belfast and shoot him with it? Yeah, yeah. So they took it into their own hands. Um, and then, of course, then you've got an outbreak of riots in between loyalists and Catholics in, uh, in Lisburn and County in, in, uh, in County Down. And then, you've, yeah, you get this huge fallout from that. And I mean, it kind of goes on from then into September, October. Like the War of Independence just get worse and worse. And, of course, this week we're, we're commemorating the 100th anniversary of the Kill Michael ambush. Um, and That's then, 100 years and, tomorrow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then we say, uh, yeah, two weeks' time then, the Burnie of Cork. 
and then it gets worse then you've got Tripsy on Bush Clonmouth and Bush in 1921 Crossberry yeah, to the truce of to July but it just gets worse and worse um, it's something I'm kind of writing about as well at the moment and doing a few bits and pieces on it's just important to get those stories out there as I have well. a grand I have a grand nephew of one of the dead actually a little later on this morning one of the three uh, IRA one oh. of the flank column they were out with, um, with Tom Barry on that day a hundred years ago so it'd be an interesting oh, well. listen later on I this morning Kieran, thanks so much for taking the call. Covered a lot yeah, of ground as you. always. Always at the end thank of the phone. Um, hopefully that'll be sorted with regards to uh, the property house on the Grand Parade and everything will be right and the freezes, the gold uh, leaf faces will go back where they belong. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. Free Food Friday. There's more than one winner these weeks because we have 10 large pizzas to give away for Free Food Friday. Anything on the menu from Oak Fire Pizza, Princess Street, Clonakilty and Bandon. You can order yourself direct on oakfirepizza.ie for click and collect. So some shout outs with that. Love to win some pizza. We're in Ona Hinsha. We share with all our neighbours, says Kira. Any chance of pizza for the electrical department in Smurfit Kappas, says Declan. How about everybody at my place in Middleton. We'd love pizza, says Morgan Bailey. Oak Fire Pizza would be a great start to the weekend from everybody at Smurf at Kappa. For all of the staff at Kevin Condon Financial Brokers in Blackpool, Dean Killeen's in particular, Mackesy Contracts in Middleton, uh, Christine Martin working from Hohen and Rylan with Share It With The Painter who's in doing a bit of painting. Love lunch for the brilliant staff in Dunhamore Family Resource Centre. There's 18 ladies working in the centre would love a Friday treat. Morning to everybody at West Building Products in Carrigaline. Hungry lads and lassies working this morning. Pizza would do the business as Mary. Joe Conway, Joe Crowley Oils in Inishannon. Amari on the Tremor Road. The clerical staff in Anglesey Street Garda Station. Uh, everybody working hard at the Tool Resource Centre. To everybody at High Care, Child Care and Balancholic. From my sister A Eve, I'm, I'm definitely pronouncing that wrong. I definitely am. She's living on her own in the city centre during the second lockdown. She's home all day as her job is closed and we'd love to cheer her up with a pizza. Please nominate Cost Plus Tires and Ballycoreen for some pizza. Uh, they stayed open during the pandemic and were a big part of the Go Red for Marymount campaign earlier this year. Hi, Maria Flaherty. I'm working from home in the spare room. My husband's working downstairs. We'd adore a night off cooking and the dreaded cleaning up afterwards. If you have a spare voucher, we'd love it. Don't worry, we'll demolish the pizza between us. And everybody also at Eastern Electrical on Little Island. Claire Cronin and Blackrock working from home. And Colin in Douglas, out of work due to COVID, helping to mind my nephews. I'd love a treat. So we'll pick some winners a little later on. Keep those uh, texts coming. Text who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106 and we'll get some shout-outs for you. All right, and then we'll give away some pizza courtesy of us at Oak Fire a little later on this morning. Now, we spoke yesterday about Christmas trees and I was wondering where are they available? And I know that I had Damien on from uh, Hanley's Garden Centre and they're doing click and collect and they're getting deliveries of huge amounts of trees over the weekend and lots more besides. And just some of those if you want to get it done ahead of the toy show. I got a beautiful tree from Kiernan's and Douglas, helpful staff. They put it on a stand for me, placed it in the boot of the car. It's in the front room now, decorated and ready for the toy show. There's West Cork fellas selling West Cork trees over by Brooks Builders Providers. Give them a shout out. Morning, just past the straight road, Atkins has loads of Christmas trees. Cafe Lulu, based on the Carrigaline Cross Saven Walkway and Murphy's Farm are delivering trees this year. Six footers are 45 euro and a tenner delivery. Now, I can't read out the whole text that you're sending me, lads, because there's too many of them. Sweet Magnolia in Lissard are selling trees. Uh, there's real Christmas trees for sale uh, at William O'Brien's Cranes next to Bishopstown. And there's trees in the Market Green in Middleton outside Tesco. And there are tre- I heard you asking about traditional and real trees. Uh, Pete's Christmas Tree Farm is a family-run small business just a few miles and minutes away from Glen- 
Glan Meyer. We'd love if you gave our team a mention. We're open this weekend. Large outdoor yard. Come and pick up your fresh tree. Pete's Christmas Tree Farm. Just a few minutes from Glan Meyer. And one more. ChristmasTree.ie is at Blackrock Hurling Club. Just responding to you, saying on air about the lack of real Christmas trees. In my 23 years of selling Christmas trees, we've never been so busy. Our online orders are off the scale. We're struggling to keep up with demand. Everyone's putting up real trees this year, says Cullum. And today and tomorrow will be manic. I'm texting you at the side of the road now with a Jeep full of Christmas trees en route to Cork Homes. So christmastrees.ie at Blackrock Hurling Club. So good luck and thank you for all of those shout-outs. There's lots of people doing the best they can to get Christmas trees out. The Machia ones are grand, but they're just not as good, so they're not. Monkeys and parrots dominated yesterday morning's programme, particularly Taxi the Monkey, the, the Taxi the Parrot, and Bimbo uh, the Monkey. Um, it sounds like Bimbo's a great story for next year's Hollybow, if it's researched well, says Sean. Well, John Dolan could be listening and maybe he'll do it for next year's Hollybow. I bet he will. I'm 75 years old and I vaguely remember the monkey. Uh, it was a, there was a Ripley's Believe It or Not type place on Dawn Square where you'd see the bearded lady. Secondly, the North Infirmary closed in 1988 and on the front of the Echo on the 1st of April that year, there was a headline that the North Infirmary was to reopen to quarantine Bubbles, who was Michael Jackson's monkey. Because Michael Jackson was due to play in Cork at the time. And he did play in Cork at the time. I was in Canada, so I don't know what that gig was like. I heard it was fantastic. I think there might have been two of them. I don't even know if Bubbles arrived, but I think Bubbles travelled everywhere with Jackson. So that was another monkey on Lee side in 1988. I'm stitches here laughing about the monkey in the window of the pet shop on the North Main Street, says Lorraine. What a great story about Bimbo the monkey. It's lovely to hear a happy story amongst all the sad times we're living in, says Eilish. Morning, there was a monkey in that pet shop. There was, if I'm not mistaken, it was at the back of the Queen's Oak Castle on the North Main Street. You're right. Neil, did you know that a man used to be outside Penny's back in the mid-80s with two monkeys? They were tame. They used to take photographs of them on people's shoulders uh, for about three euro or three pounds Irish money. Those were the days. Those monkeys in the photographs used to have little woolly hats on them and they used to sit on a man's shoulder. This is in pennies, just the back of pennies at the time. Of course, it wasn't pennies then. It would have been the Monster Arcade, I suppose. I can remember seeing the monkeys in the pet shop window. It must have been the 60s. I was very young and I would only been in Cork about twice a year. So I have no more information. He was a very sad looking monkey. I can remember at the time as a child being very upset for him. Bimbo came in on the banana boat. What a luxurious way to travel for a monkey. Yes, indeed. And we traced the man who took him off the staff or at least the crew on the banana boat. So what are you saying? Is any ape able to solve a monkey puzzle or has it driven you bananas? Says Finn. Cheers, pal. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. I think I might have more on the monkey a little later on regarding the man who actually took the monkey from the banana boat. I mean, it's amazing the amount of people that listen to this program and get involved and jump in on a story like Bimbo, the monkey from the banana boat back on the docks. Um, a little bit more reminiscing for you. Do you remember I was telling you that I was in Casey's last uh, Thursday week and we unveiled their beautiful, beautiful Christmas windows. Perhaps you've had an opportunity to see them. They look great by day. They look spectacular when the lights go out. In the, oh, sorry, when the sun goes down. Sun goes down when it gets dark in the city and the lights uh, come on in the, in the city for Christmas. And the Casey's windows look terrific. And I was in there 
Uh, we had a good socially distance unveiling and great chats with the staff when I was there. And then they blew me away by giving me a check uh, for uh, an incredible amount of money. They gave me five grand uh, to give to uh, Cork Penny Dinners. And that was a wonderful gesture, 5,000 euro. And I know that Katrina will be delighted with it. Incidentally, can I just say that little birdie has told me and sent me some photographs from Penny Dinners yesterday. And he's only gone and done it again, lads. Roy Keane has shown up. He does all sorts of stuff that goes below the radar until people sneakily send me photographs. And I know Katrina posted the photographs on social media and she said, what a great day with the wonderful, kind-hearted Roy Keane. He's something else, folks. Thank you, Roy, for the way you care. You have a mighty heart. And there are photographs up online then as well. I hope we get to share these photographs of Roy Keane at Cork Penny Dinners yesterday. Just helping out and helping out in more ways than one lifting the spirits of all those that were there yesterday so well done again Kino in fairness to him looking good kid he's looking good so that was Roy Keane at Cork Penny Dinners yesterday but anyway back to my story regarding Casey's so while I was there the man who knows everything and anything about the building and most of Cork is a guy who went in there working first as a part time summer job when he left school and he never left and that's William Scannell and he joins me by phone William good morning Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Listen, before I talk about anything else, do you remember Bimbo the monkey at all in the window of the pet shop on the North Main Street? No, honestly, I don't. No, I remember the pet shop, all right, but I don't remember the monkey. Yeah, because you're too young, I suppose. <laughs> well, I'm not into my 70s as yet. <laughs> oh, my God. What a great chat we had when I was inside with you. Of course, Casey's originally was a, ho- a hotel. Well, well, yes, that was way back. But prior to Casey's moving up there, Casey's actually started in down in Tony's Fine Clothing, where Tony's Fine Clothing is now on Melbourne Street. Yeah. That is in 1921, which is amazing when you think that I didn't know old Mr. Casey, as he was referred to when I started, because he had passed away. Imagine to start a business, literally two, three or four months after the burning of Cork where half of Cork was burned to the ground. I know, I know. It must have taken amazing courage, mental courage and, you know, business courage to to actually do that. That was the resolve of the people back then because for a lot of the other businesses they had to literally pick themselves up by the bootstraps and rebuild. Oh, they did. I mean, the cash as it was called was gone. Uh, Monster Arcade was gone. Cudmore's, which is now nice to hear this week, actually, will now be, a, a, I think, is it going to be an ice cream shop or something, I think? That's again, right, yeah. Something yeah. like that. That's right. It was gone. Um, Grants was gone. All of the, just imagine half, the right-hand side of Patrick's was just gone. 2,000 people, 2,000 people out of the job. And there was no pop or whatever, social welfare or nothing. Nothing just, existed, yeah. Yeah. So how, how down can you get? So I, well, no, in, in fairness, you, 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 yeah, but in fairness, um, the businesses then sued Westminster and the House of Commons and the British and they got payouts for what happened to it them. Is, so that was is, a good thing. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Well deserved, more than well deserved. Chalk it down. So you, where did you go to secondary school then? Or was it primary school uh, or what? I, no, I went to both. <laughs> I went to, actually I was in the South Prez. Um, boys school on Evergreen Street initially not too far away from where the lady was on yesterday from the Celtic bar that was right. that walked in Barry's Tea yeah, yeah. and then oh to my father happened to be in the first class in the Skull Creasy out in Evergreen Road initially 
in 1938 so he was determined that I was going to go there as well so and so you did there. yeah yeah. And, and up the cross then afterwards obviously. and in 1969 then did you get a summer job or something I did my next day I came from Tower Street originally and the next door neighbour who were um, even the, the, the son of the lives now they were a bit more affluent than us um, they, they used to shop in Casey's old Mrs O'Sullivan and her son had the job the previous year and brought me in because he was going away with the scouts that year. And I was literally brought in by her for a summer job in 1969. In the yeah. warehouse, I think, was it? Or driving a van yeah, or well, what? you see, no, well, obviously I didn't drive it. And I don't even drive to this day. <laughs> I never owned a car in my life and never will. Why? Uh, why? Because, why? That's a good question. <laughs> you never sat down to think about why. Um... <laughs> My father was, uh, had a car way back when we were young because he, he walked outside the city, so I had to drive to work. Um, I don't know why. I, 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 I lived in Tower Street. I worked in Casey. That's, it. That's a seven and a half minute walk. So you've been walking to work since 1969? Oh, literally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. As I said to... Um, um, Peter, who is now the boss of Casey, he would be Jim's son. That, like, unless it's in the walking distance, I'm not interested in walking anywhere unless it's in walking distance, you know? And, and you never regarded it as work, did you? Not really, to be truthful. When you go to work first, that I wasn't, I wasn't even, I was barely 14 years of age when I started walking. It was exciting times, you know? I mean, you were walking. I remember I got four pounds, obviously the old money, on the first week, which I was delighted with, absolutely thrilled, never earned, a, never, never earned money prior to that. And I got five the second week, so I knew I, I must have done something right. Five? I bet you didn't get to keep the five pounds, though. No, I gave some to my... Uh, no, I think I saved the pound. You got uh, one uh, and your mum got the rest, is it? four, yeah. Sure, I didn't care. I didn't care. You know, you, you walked away and then, of course, you went out in the van later on, then you might get the odd tip from the house. In those days, you get tips from people when you deliver if you were helping in the back, especially if you saw a small skinny fella like me <laughs> you know it's, it's so you must have me, you know? like you must have called to all sorts of houses the length and breadth of the county God, yeah yeah when you think about it yeah I mean like if you go back to Oliver Plunk Street Oliver Plunk Street has changed dramatically I mean uh, just giving a shout out to you need a bookshop John Coffey yeah John Coffey yeah uh, lovely gent um, who, who was on the Casey side and then moved across to the other side so he was 50 extra 28 and 23 what's that 51, 52 years plus in business obviously he was in business in Barry Street to my knowledge before that yeah um, you, you you had Sean Jennings I remember seeing that getting burned down coming down from Tower Street because we saw the plumes of smoke so that was there you know you had Buckley's, McConnell, Washington Street, you had different furniture shops up in North Main Street, um, John White's Halls. There was lots doing yeah. furniture. I know we spoke about that because caches were caches had their own furniture factory and they were doing it. Roach's stores were, were doing it. They had their own catalogues and they were you could order from the catalogue and, and all sorts of stuff like that. But it, it, I always think that Oliver Plunkett Street is the, is the nicest of streets. No disrespect to anybody else and any other business or street. I but agree. It, I agree it, it just seems yeah. to be, it always seems to be thriving. Um, and there's always a great hustle and bustle. And all of the buildings always seem to be occupied, you know? 
Correct. And when you look at it, there's a, there's a variety on Oliver Plum Street that no other street really has. Yeah. Now, them are all big shops, obviously. Some of them are quite small. But, but it's pedestrianised, and that makes a huge... Interest. It makes it a huge the interest, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with yeah, regard, you know... To, I think, a vastly superior to Oliver Plum Street, I'd, or to Patrick Street. I'd never like the, um, the new lights, as we call them, that are up many a year now in Patrick Street. They're very cosmopolitan, but you're more than a god. Christmas isn't cosmopolitan. Uh, the jury's out on that, actually, because I have to say, yeah. I was in there one night, and particularly down Academy Street, where they have those drop lights, where it looks as if there's literally snow falling from the sky. They obviously yeah. have spent extra money. I think it looks... Money there, yeah. it look, I think it looks fabulous. But that building oh, was... Funny. What do we know about Vaughan's Hotel? Turner's. Turner's, pardon Turner's me. Turner's Hotel. Turner's Hotel, yeah. Well, well, Turner's Hotel was on the up upstairs and there's an entrance from downstairs if what I'm told is correct. Because the original but, stairwell is there in cases, the big wide well, mahogany stairwell. That's part, but that actually was a furniture shop called Peter D's originally. And Amazing. then his son Charlie D took it over and then somebody Charlie D seemingly was retiring and old Mr. Casey, that would be Jim, that's Peter's grandfather. Yeah. And David's grandfather um, um, was told that the premises is available because they were going out of business. But they made furniture then as well, do you understand? It wasn't a full retail shop. There was cabinet makers and polishers and... All employed. Uh, all employed there. And then uh, old Mr. Casey moved up to Oliver Plunkett. And what happened then? Yeah. What happened then with all of the cabinet makers and furniture makers and people who made three-piece suites and dining room tables? Yeah, like, well... Yeah, to, well, they kind of went into repairs for a while. There were st- I still have um, dockets and um, names and addresses that were attached to chairs that had to be fixed and polished and legs replaced. And but why like do we that. stop making all of our own furniture? Did it just After, get too... It became too expensive. It just be- I mean, you must appreciate that you didn't have furniture coming in from Great Britain then like it did yeah. in the 60s, 70s and 80s. And now they're coming from all, all over the world, China and God knows Taiwan and God knows where else, you know. A lot of people so, back in the day, because I know this through my own father, who went, before he went to Cashes, he was in he was in Cavendishes and he was a rep, which meant that people, bought, right, on a, yeah. people bought on the book, didn't they? And uh, they paid they off did, weekly, wasn't it? Well, even in cases, uh, I, I walked there for three consecutive summers and some Easter and the odd Christmas as well when you were called in when they were busy. I mean, they had only, they had only one van then uh, as against, I don't know. Peter told me the other day, now I think there's up to something like 20 vans or something. Good God, so the iconic green vans, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, they were, well, we were black and amber for years, but that, that, but, uh, that but, was changed. But with, uh, regard, with regards to people green. buying on credit, they, they probably were always in, in debt, were they? Oh, they were, because you see, what they do is that every Friday at half past two, Mrs. Murphy, I just call her Mrs. Murphy, will come in and pay her one pound, right? And she did, she'd owe maybe six or seven pounds. And she continued to pay that for one or two weeks, pound a week, or every second week, as per whatever. On a table and chairs or something, is it, or a bed? On a table and chairs, or whatever, yeah. And actually, in fact, they sold prams initially as well. Prams? Um, prams, uh, you know, that you put babies into. You know. <laughs> I know what a pram is. Yeah. I know um, what a pram <laughs> Yeah, they sold prams initially. Uh, that was way back before. So she'd come time. in and she'd pay the the, the couple of bob off and buy... But she'd bu- see something in the window, do you see? <laughs> and of course, she was a great client. 
So it could be another four or five pounds or whatever. I, 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 so instead of owing five at the end of a couple of weeks, she'd owe nine, she'd continue. And then a couple of weeks. So eventually the, 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 the lady could owe 20 and she'd still be just paying one pound per week or I know, yeah, I know. so she could never be clear never be but clear. she must have driven up to some fairly swanky mansions as well though well, yes, um, more especially as I say, I came from the inner city, which was very small, very small houses. So we, when you go to places like, well, the past places then were Sundays. Well, obviously, was was always uh, kind of poshish and Black Rock uh, Road. Uh, Black Rock Road would have been. Uh, you had a lovely lady on there earlier during the week, Eileen, I think her name was. Yeah, yeah. And she was a delight to, to listen to actually. Um, but what was it like for a guy from the inner city, from a small little oh, house, God. delivering furniture? You got to get inside these. These people weren't on the yeah. book like they were paying no, up front. No, 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 no. Like, the cases were very lucky in that sense. They, they, they had a lot, of, a lot of professional people on the books, you know, um, doctors, which would have been obviously solicitors, anybody, other business people, obviously, because cases had looked at. At, at that stage, it was kind of a snobby shop. Yeah. Because it was, a, you know, it was, well, obviously we did that with your, well, oh, your father worked in cashes, didn't he? He did, yeah, was the furniture bar there for a long, long time, yeah. yeah. But when you went in, when you, and he loved it too, it was a passion for him, but he started as a cabinet maker, incidentally, way back as well, a young fellow. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, he did, yeah. He's a fine cabinet maker. But when you go into these houses then, a boy from the inner city, you must have been saying, Mother of God, how the other half lives. You'd be gobsmacked. I mean, you'd be be bringing in a chair that could be worth whatever. I can never remember exactly the cost of these things way back now. So for God's sake, there was 10 times what I was earning per week, you know, one chair. I know. You know, and, and but you know, you didn't care when you were young. You enjoyed it. It was exciting. There was great characters around then. There was great characters in the shop. Um, I mean, I, I have a lovely recollection of wandering this year, and I have a lovely recollection of uh, John Barry Muffy, who's Jimmy Barry Muffy's father, God rest his soul, John B, as we just call him. And uh, I was standing in the front of the shop with him, and we noticed there was nobody coming up out of a plunk street. Well, there was no cars, no... Oh, there was, it was gone very eerily quiet. And I looked down as per... Uh, John B said, look down there and see what's happening. And I could see that there was a gathering down at Prince Street. And who, who was it but Jack Lynch <laughs> and his his entourage or whatever? Yeah. Oh, this was like a walkabout before an election. Yeah, so he, as they, they do. came up all of a Prince Street anyway. And Jack Lynch looked into Casey's, and John B looked out, and they obviously knew each other from their hurling days, etc. Even though one was Bars and one was Glenn. Yeah. Um, and next he whispered something to the man next to him and he came into the shop two men came over and stood at the shop door and stopped anybody coming in and out and John B and Jack Lynch went over sat on a chair and couch very similar where the, where the window that today is now at the moment for a chat and sat down, and sat down there for a chat and it was John this and Jack that amazing like as if it was his front room literally to the front room he went in because there was pressure building up at the window then at that stage I know one of the most beautiful yeah. photographs that I've ever seen taken on Oliver Plunkett Street is a gorgeous photograph of Humphrey Moynihan cycling his bike down Oliver Plunkett Street going in to open the Long Valley do you know that black and white one I think I it might, do, be, yeah. might be a Billy McGill photograph it's a beauty yeah, it probably is Billy McGill yeah, yeah, yeah be- and tell me how, how are people taking to the gorgeous windows they're loving oh, it the, the reaction has been incredible that window has been going out for a good few years in actual fact I traditionally turn out the lights on Christmas Eve 
haven't been asked yet this year. No, I'm just out ill at the moment, so I'm not actually physically walking. Oh, anymore. God, I hope you'll be okay um, quickly. I'm grand, I'm recovering well, thank God. Um, the, uh, the, the reaction in the phone calls and it has been incredible. Now, what people have started to do, though, is interesting. They started and um, to put their children, obviously, it's like a COVID sentry because obviously he's under glass. Yeah. Um, and they're taking photographs. Now, what we don't know is that the year 2020 will be there. So if you want to kind of frame the photographs of your children and each year traditionally build up 
Right, so right. he went from the barracks, he tried to join up there, and then he tried to get into prison. So he went down the lane, <laughs> and it was dark, you see, because the reason it was brighter up in the barracks was because the uh, searchlights were on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down the lane, then it was dark, down the, the prison lane was Yeah, dark. that'd be down Rathmore Road, yeah. Corner. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so I knew then that he'd perch in a tree, and he wouldn't do anything till morning because it was dark. You know, he wouldn't go flying around in the dark. So I knew he was safe there then. So I went home. I stayed up all night and went up the following morning with Victor, the cage, a piece of apple, and we went up before dawn. And we waited till it got bright. And eventually we located him because there was a load of crows darting in and out of a, a tree. And I said, he's up there. And Victor said, how do you know? And I said, look at all the crows. I said, they're freaking out. He's up in the tree. So... He was like, that's our imagination. So anyway, I said, no, it's not. I said, we go so we went down anyway. And sure enough, like, he's grey. He's very plain because their African greys are plain. But underneath his tail, it's a maroon colour. You know, kind of, you know. Put, so uh, you uh, spotted so, him anyway. And there so, he was. So I saw the maroon under the tail anyway. And there he was. And uh, we shooed the crows anyway. And um, I had to wait a while. And I was just talking up to him. And I have you. And good job. It was that early in the morning because if anybody saw me talking to the tree, I was definitely <coughs> with the loony bin. But anyway, um uh, eventually, anyway, when it got bright enough and when he kind of started to come down a few branches, I, t- I showed him the apple because he loved apple. And I said, look, apple. And I had the door of the cage pegged up, you know, so that he could go in. And I threw in the apple and he came down, went into the cage, picked up his apple, went up in the perch and he was eating his apple, walking down the road while Victor was carrying him. Did he say anything? Apple. He didn't say feck on. <laughs> he just said thanks for staying up all night and everything I'm worrying about him for three weeks and everything. All right. Well, I'm glad we got to finish that story. My apologies for taking you off track on it. But I have Sean McKeown, who's the director of Photo Wildlife Park, who's taken some time out this morning and has been giving this uh, predicament a lot of thought, I believe, with regards to, um, you know, the fact that Taxi hasn't talked since Victor died 15 years ago. Sean, good morning. Good morning, Ian. How are you? <laughs> this is one of the weirder requests that come across your desk, I'm sure. Um, what do you What do you make of all of this? Like, a taxi is a 32 year old parrot, so that apparently they live to a ripe old age, don't they? I mean, he could go yeah. another 32, couldn't he? He could easily do that. Yes, um, they, they live till 60, 70. Uh, the reports of them, you know, living up to 80. You know, so it's 80 years. Uh, old. And do you ever hear them start just stopping talking? I wouldn't have that great experience of, of, of um, say, pet parts. Um, they, um, actually, they, they can be affected by, by change, you know, change in their life, etc. Yeah. Um, and um, I just wondered, you know, there, there's normally two, two or three things to, to look at. One is... The, the bird itself is it male or female? You know because it's uh, male, isn't he? Yeah. Is a, a boy parrot, isn't well, he, Brida? Well, that's another story, no, Neil. Because <laughs> when I bought him off of um, Eddie's father in the North Main Street, I asked was it male or female, and he said male. Well, no, obviously he was told whoever he got it from that he was male. And it was years later I used to get the Bird Keeper magazine, it just come out every month, and you'd get the vest page and you'd get like articles and stuff. And this um, old man. Uh, had an article on right, and it, it told how to how to tell the difference between the male and the female on birds and even eggs. I used to do it on eggs as well in the aviary when I had the budgets and right. stuff. 
And what it is, is the needle and thread. You might have heard it in connection with people do it with women when they're pregnant as well. And it actually does work. You get a needle and you put the thread through it and you put a knot in the thread. You're about 13 inches of, of uh, thread is what the guy said. I don't know if that's <laughs> uh, uh, right or wrong. But anyway, he said 13 inches, so I did it. And you, I put the cage down the ground and you stand over it and you hold your, between your finger and your thumb, pointing down to the ground. You hold the knot of the, and leave the, the the, the needle dangling and if it goes around in a circle it's a, it's a male and if it swings back and forth it's a female so I tried that on the budgies and stuff that, and canaries that I had and I knew if were male or female because you could tell by them when they get a certain age whether they're male or female so I did that and I checked them with all my other birds in the aviary and it worked every time and so I did it with taxi and after all the years of calling taxi a boy and we still do. We still say he because we were referring to him as he forever and calling him a good boy and stuff. You can't turn around then after years and say, oh, you're a girl. So he, taxi is actually a, a female. <laughs> of all the, and I didn't find that out till he was about. Okay. The, okay. So at least that was the kind of a, a male or female answer, but you yeah. gave me the more entertaining version of it. So <laughs> female, Sean. Female. Well, yeah, I, I suspected that it w- would have been a female because his relation or her relationship with uh, previous husband would have been um, a, a female bird would, would prefer more uh, male companion uh, as humans. Uh, we see it with you know with, with animals right. here yeah. in the park. So yeah. um, it's at this stage he probably or she probably built up a relationship with your husband Victor and Victor over the years and um, was he a quiet man? Um, he wasn't really he was a real hard case you know he was a hard case now he was a quiet man and actually no uh, veering off a small bit uh, he <laughs> doesn't surprise me he was my <laughs> he was my partner because I do have an ex-husband and there's another story to that Neil again that I should have told you yesterday <laughs> uh, one time you know when he used to talk uh, my ex-husband had to mind um, taxi for a while while my partner was having his transplant and he was very ill and I couldn't have birds in the house yeah. so he had to um, I had to get rid of the other birds that I had in the house no not my Avery but my ex-husband actually took uh, taxi. The, the taxi for me and um, he used to speak totally different as I said to you they, they, they mimic whoever teaches yeah. them the word even if it's the same word they learn from somebody else they say it in the person's voice and I was on the loo one time and I, the bird was out the back where he used to be where he escaped from and uh, the next thing I heard hello and I thought my ex-husband was coming into the house <laughs> he learned the hello after him as well <laughs> ok so the answer to the second question is Victor oh, no, wasn't Victor a quiet was a man he was a hard case he was a hard yeah. case he had a quiet he had a kind of um, he had a kind of um, an easy going kind of a way about him then yes. at the same yeah. time okay. you know what I mean right. is, that, is that important um, though Sean it can be it can be and um, I'd have to say uh, listening to Breda, he probably didn't get a word in it with. He's the parrot. He's Victor the parrot. and me both. Speak yeah. all these times. The parrot isn't talking because he doesn't get a chance. Um, I would I'd have said more that it, it was the fact that it was female um, and it would, would relate more to, to, to male. To male, uh, yeah. Um, and and that's that's quite normal with with birds, uh, because you know parrots are very monogamous. They just they stay together for for their life, and um, they they don't 
build up a lot of re- other relationships um, and they certainly wouldn't if it was a female they would prefer uh, a male rather than so uh, if Victor uh, if Victor were to walk in the front door God rest his soul taxi talk to him he probably would yes yes and now, Sean they have a great is, memory Sean yeah. they have a great memory as well they never forget people yeah. even if they don't see them for years you know Exactly. They're, they're, yeah, they are well they're very that, intelligent. So how can she build up a rapport? How could she build up a rapport then with Taxi? Um, is, is it like... It, 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 it's, a, it's a matter of, of, of what's called positive reinforcement. He does, you know, he, she does something that, um, he, you know, is funny or interactive, then you reward him. And I do? Yeah, <laughs> and you keep doing that in a, in a, so if if he says or or makes a noise or something, you you re- reinforce that. You give him give him something. If he doesn't do anything, you don't give him uh, treats. Do you say. know? Do you know, Sean? Sorry for interrupting you. Um, he does one thing, and he's done that since since forever. Um, if he wants something nice, you know, like he likes to tell you yeah. a sausage, you know, every now and again, or something, you know, <laughs> a little corner of crust with bread with jam in it. And if I hold it up, and I say, "Do you do you want this?" and he do, can you hear that a click? Yeah, uh, yeah. You do that, right? Which is an African Grey's approval sound. They do that click sound, right? Yeah. I found that out from a documentary. But anyway, then I say to him, what do you say first? And he does a meow. A meow? Yeah. He does a yeah. meow. That's what I tried to get him to do a few yesterday, Neil, but he wouldn't do it because he was already after getting a treat. And if he doesn't want it, he won't do it. He and won't is, do it to is order. Is he due any treat now? He, um, he, well, he might, uh, he just might, uh, oh no, I can't, I tell you what, <laughs> I can't because I've got my two dogs in the porch because, um, the cable guys are laying cable in there to come through my back garden and I forgot I put the two dogs in the If porch. there was a short answer to a question, you would just walk to the other side of the road to avoid it. I would. <laughs> so does she just no, there's, keep... There's, 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 pro- there's your problem answered. <laughs> But he does do that, and that's a bribe. That's a bribe. He'll do it if he wants something, and he would not, you know, he would not do it, uh, you know, otherwise. And he does, um, if uh, if you sing, neighbours, he will dance. He'll go, go on the bars of the cage, and he'll sing from side to side. He'll bop away. I don't know, is this a lost cause, Sean? Because it seems she's doing all the things you're suggesting. Yeah, yeah. And I played, I played the lonesome boatman for him, Sean, as well, you know. I played the lonesome boatman for him, and I actually thought, no, I was only mind reading, like, but I thought that it, it was upsetting him, you know, right. and he was kind of like, I, I just, would I be sparking memories? Oh, like, yeah, I was going to play it, so I better not play it then, because I don't want him to. But he won't hear it. Okay. <laughs> he won't. He's out. He's, he's, he's out. That's why I said that he's out in the porch. I forgot to put him out there. He likes to be in what the if porch. He got a, what if he got a parrot partner? Jeez, I don't know. Somebody told me yesterday this story, uh, a person I know, and she, her, her, a friend or relation of hers, they had, they had um, two parrots. The couple had two parrots and they split up. And the um, he went off with the one parrot, and she had the other parrot. And didn't the parrot that she had died? Oh, broken! Well, died. that's what that's what Sean said. Died. They're a bit like swans; they're made for life. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're stay together. Yes. So you, 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 mm-hmm. your best bet, I suppose, is to uh, well. First of all, you'd have to be certain whether it's a male or a female. And you can I know, it's a female, right. yeah, and I went to a... a, a all right, okay, we know, we know that. 
No, I went to a show another time, and an old judge, he was able to, you know, I know enough yeah. Sonia on site, but he said he wasn't a, she wasn't a male. Then. It's not a case you know of just trying to find a male parrot willy or anything like that. It's more complicated. I wondered, I wondered yeah, okay. would she breed? Would she breed at 32? That's been on my mind. I'd love it's to know possible. It. It's possible, but um, has she ever laid eggs? No, she hasn't. No, she's never laid an egg. I've had budgies who've, who've done that now and everything. So she's know, doing the no. positive reinforcement that you say and the treats and things like that. Is, yes. is, is it, it, It's just to do it more frequently and, and um, don't try it or for, for, force it on her. No, you, you have to pick when she wants to be active, say early in the morning. Um, you know, there's no point in doing it in the evening when it's getting darker because they yeah. just want to sleep or, you know, but... Yeah. Do it, do it at times when she she expect her to be more active and mm-hmm. um, and when she does something funny or something that you you approve of let's say you you, you give her a reward don't and if other times if she's not uh, um, behaving badly let's say then you don't reward her for that and does she oh, say oh, anything yeah. to taxi when all of this is happening or is it just treats oh it no, you, like you, hello you, or well you done to, or you're nice you, or thank you. Yeah, you, she can say, she can repeat words, but you can only do it for, you know, a few, say half a minute or a minute. After that, the words lose interest. So yeah, you, know, you, you have to do it on a continuous basis. You yeah. know, you don't. Do, you can be at it for, you know, three weeks or four weeks, and eventually she might say something. But to repeat the same. Um, same words. Don't try and confuse the, the 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 different words. So what if she kept on saying "f off" to him? Because that's what he she said a lot. The parrot said a lot. "F off." Oh yeah, in a load of different ways. Yeah, would that work? Yeah, um, saying things that taxi says. It, it's possible. We had a parrot here. It used to tell people to f off. Uh, <laughs> it, it was a it was a Scarlet McCall, and it used to be in a nightclub in Cork in the eighties. I remember. Oh, it. was that in Sir Henry's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know which nightclub, but it, 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 it came here and it, 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 it used to swear at people, particularly when they walked away from it. Yeah. So, so in a lot of cases, if you go out the door you know, and, and, and close the door, the part will say goodbye because, you know, it's used to hearing people, the, the noise, and it associates the noise with goodbye. But this thing... Sean, uh, let, let him finish the story. I was actually down in the park one day and the, the two parrots were up in the tree and uh, two nuns had passed by and one of the and they, they passed by the parrots and of course the parrots one of the parrots turned around and told said F off and the nun turned around and looked at me and I said parrots and they just walked off she thought you said it <laughs> well, I have a similar one to that, Sean, because when I had my wife cockatoo then, you know, who also adored Victor because she was a hen as well. And uh, I had this friend of mine, Morris, I know he won't mind saying it, and he was religious, like he was in a religious order thingy. But anyway, um, he used to come into the house, like he, he, he was my neighbour. And he used to come into the house and she used to look up at him and he'd go, hello, Snowy. And she used to go, F off. <laughs> it was face. As if she knew. And we used to be mortified. Like, do you know? She was a nun. So mortified. Yeah, yeah. But as well, Sean, man, I was going to say to you a while ago when you were talking about saying things and teaching him the words, you know, the one word and stuff. 
I read in a, a, a bird book years back that before I before he spoke now, uh, I read that you could put on uh, for 10 minutes or something or so on the end of a tape, right? That's when we had the tape recorders now back in the dinosaur age. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you put on for about 10 minutes whatever word or sentence you wanted to say and play it when you've gone out of the house. And, yeah. you know, and I did do that and that's the way I taught him to talk and it was a very, very bad thing to do because taxi would never speak to your face. Even yeah. if you went to one side of the door and you said something, he'd talk, but if he was looking at you, he wouldn't speak. And I never yeah. did that with Snowy. I taught Snowy face to face, but of course I hand-reared her when I finished hand-rearing her and she had her from a tiny baby. Okay, so and old habits die hard and it's 16 yeah. years now since taxi spoke, but... You have specialist bird. You have some specialist bird trainers on hand, do you, Sean? Well, no, you can. Um, Are recommended. Can, yeah, you, you, you. We have uh, people that come to the park here. A person that comes to the park from the states, and they do uh, animal training throughout Europe. So, if you have a particular issue with an animal, um, you can maybe train it to to away from that habit. So, you see, it would be one of my greatest achievements in all the years on air to get this taxi parrot talking again. It really would. Um, the, the other thing is that there are a lot of um, online videos about training parrots. Uh, you know, it is a big... Um, it's very popular in... Parrots are very popular in the United States. So yeah, so it's possible to, to, to get something online. So what do we do? Well, um, I think, Neil, sorry, I think, um, you see, he can't talk. It's not that he can't. He he stopped because he wanted to, because he was sad and all and everything. And he doesn't want to. And he's very strong-willed. And no matter what I want him to do, if he feels like doing it, he'll do it. And if he doesn't, he won't, no matter how you what if you starve? What if you starve the whore? Would he, would he start shouting for food? No, I can't, you can't do that. Can. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> I, I, hadn't, no. I hadn't trained budgies and things like that. All right, I'd take the food out for a little while, Sean. No, I, just, I don't starve. I just mean 24 hours, Sean. I'm not saying... I'm not yeah, saying yeah, for weeks no, on end. No, no, he hates you. He hates you then. But he might tell you that he hates you. Hang on a second, Amanda. <laughs> oh, hello. Have you Buddy there? I do. He's here. Does he talk? He does. What he do he? What do he say? Um, well, if the phone will ring, he'll go, hello, hello, all right, sorry, so goodbye. He'll have a conversation. Or if someone walks in the door, he'll go, hi, hiya. Or he'll just call people's names, he'll go, mom, or he'll talk. Will he, say, will he say something to me? No, he'll only talk when he wants to. Like, if I go into the room, he yeah. won't, but if I leave the room, he'll talk. But he's, he's a, he, Buddy's a vicious parrot. He's turned very vicious. He was never vicious. We've had him since he was about four months old, since he was a baby. And he's about 13 years old now, but he started getting vicious about seven years ago, about six years ago. We don't know why. Getting fed up with the case. He's matured, feeling. Yeah, we would leave him. He used to walk around the house, come up to the bedroom, sit in the bed. You'd see he'd sit in your shoulder when you're watching TV, walk into the kitchen, climb up on top of you. He'd freedom of the house, and then he just started getting vicious, and he started biting people's ears, but then he, we wouldn't go to pick him up. But now we leave him out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what Sean is saying. And Breed is agreeing. He's just getting mature. Yeah. You know, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. you just got a cranky parrot. Yeah, yeah. Or or <laughs> if I ring your landline, could you go into him there? If we ring you, and the phone will ring, and will he say something then? Uh 
you could you could ring and I could just leave the phone ring away he'll just go hello hello alright sorry so goodbye ok go go near him so go day. near him though and I'll get the lads to call your landline now and see if we okay, can get I'll, I'll just leave the phone ring out just leave the phone ring out how long will that take do you think are you going in there now about six or seven calls and it should ring just leave the phone the landline and leave it ring out and see what he's okay, saying anything. I think they might be calling you now let me let me just see if um, if the phone number starts he's already saying it there alright No, he just caught my son, Jake. No. He is a cranky no. parrot. Yeah, yeah, he can be. Yeah. But he talks like he really talks like. Not today, though. <laughs> no, he was talking he earlier. He was calling me. He was calling Jake. He was just. Oh, he just talks when he feels like it. All right. Yeah. Like yeah, the rest the of us, I suppose. Making a lawyer of yours, well, <laughs> when you tell somebody to do something <laughs> and you get them to do it, there's always nine times out of ten they'll make a lawyer out of you. <laughs> I swear. They do. Okay, yeah. well, I don't know what to do with Buddy the Vicious Parrot. That's another day's work for me. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe Buddy and Taxi could hook up. <laughs> what, what, breed, what breed of parrot is it? African Grey. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, well. Oh, oh right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, there's two types of African Grey, so... There's a, there are. But if Mine Buddy a, hooked up with Taxi, is there a chance, Sean, that Taxi would talk to Buddy? Um, well, not probably, probably Paratalk. It would be Paratalk, not necessarily. Yeah, I was thinking that. If there's another if there's another bird, then parrots, they won't talk. They'll just do their oh, own oh, thing. Oh, for God's sake. Like this, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. this is a serious challenge. So what are we going to do next? I, I don't know. Sean? Um, I, it, it's about trying to build up the relationship. You see, what, what happens with the, how they sometimes talk, it is, it's going to be a door closing, they say goodbye, phone ringing, then they, you know, they say they're, they're getting used to it ringing and somebody answering it and, and saying certain words. That's, it's, 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 there's a trigger in it and it's the, in the case of the, is the phone ringing, the door closing, etc., or this particular um, <coughs> event that, that make him or her talk or, or, or um, behave in a certain yeah, way. Yeah, reacting to things. Yeah. They're reacting to certain things. So, so is it just steady as you go? She just keeps doing the things she's doing? Yeah, and maybe look at try and look up some of the, the these training videos that are, are you know you, if you go on to Google and you, you you'll find them on uh, put in African Grey etc training or talking and mm-hmm. they'll they'll um, have advice there as well. Okay, how about that? Is that does that uh, work for you, Brida? Yeah, it would of course. Another thing he used to do talking about the phone, he used to always say uh, a car for Ford. He used to say that, a car for Ford. Like he was making an announcement at the airport or something. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's good. I can do that, uh, Sean. I, I'll certainly do that. And I'll look it up and see, you know, is there anything at all that I could... Um, I tried all the usual things like playing the lonesome boatman and stuff. But as I say, to try and trigger where I thought it was going the other way. So I gave up on that. But yeah, I'll certainly look up the um, the training. Do, and, and keep and going with the treats and the reinforcements yes, and, you know... Yeah. Will, of course. Put yeah. the time in and come back to me, will yeah. you? Let me know how things are going. Oh, and Sean, she's a Timna. She's a Timna. Timna. Yeah. African yeah. Grey. Yeah, she's a smaller version, the smaller variety. Oh, yeah. 
Okay, yeah. when when all yeah. when all of this COVID is gone, I'll come visit. All right. Okie jokes. <laughs> okay, Nick. I'd say we're on the long road with this one. We'll see how we go. Okay, thank you, Sean. Thank you, Breda. Thank you, Amanda. Appreciate the calls. We'll see how it goes with Taxi the Parrot in the coming weeks and months ahead, I would think, because this isn't going to be anything achieved at short notice. But thank you to Sean McKeown, Director of Photo Wildlife Park. Hopefully, at some stage in the future, Taxi will be telling people to F off again. Peter Deneen, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. Thanks so much for taking the call. Tomorrow is a very big day. Saturday, the 100th anniversary of Kilmichael. And if you look at 100 years ago this year, we had two Lord Mayors dying, uh, one shot in his bed, another on hunger strike. Kevin Barry was hanged. Bloody Sunday when so many innocent people lost their lives. The morning of Bloody Sunday, all of the spies shot by Michael Collins. Still to come was the burning of Cork in a couple of weeks' time. And a 100 years ago this weekend, um, Tom Barry's flying column at Kilmichael. What an incredible year it was. Tell me your connection. Um, my mother's uncle, uh, Jim O'Sullivan, he was shot dead at the ambush. Um, he was 26 years of age. And um, he was, I suppose he was farming in the area. And that that time, you know, just mentioned some of the atrocities there. The um, the black and tens, the auxiliaries were <clears throat> um, drafted in, I suppose, and they created carnage around the place. Um, they terrorized the people of West Cork. Uh, there were raids in Dunmanway, Copbean, Castleton, Kinna. And, you know, I think people just had enough foot and they had to, they had to do something about it. Yeah, because you had, so, the, um, you had the RIC, which were the police. On top of that, the auxiliaries, which were pretty much retired army British vet- veterans, weren't they? And then the TANs. That's, that's right. They were meant to be um, this kind of elite force, but uh, they weren't really, you know. They were, they were a, mixed, a mixed bag, really. And what were they and, doing? Uh, what I were they doing as they went around the auxiliaries? Because they had free reign, didn't they? Oh, they had, yeah. Um, I mean, there are several reports of them um, uh, burning places down, taking pop shots um, at people working in the countryside, you know, um, just uh, just basically to do what they liked. Without fear and, of any uh, reprisals. It was, it was without fear of any reprisal, reprisals, and it was, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. We were right in the middle of the War of Independence then, of course, and Tom Barry was, um, he was charged with putting together a flying column um, would they have been volunteers? Would they have been professionals? Would they have been? They were. Yeah. Well, they were. They were. They were all. They were all. They were all volunteers. And, um, they, they were just were, basically just locals, you know. They, they would have had very little. Um, most of them would have had very little experience of firearms or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't even. They couldn't even shoot bullets when they were when they were drilling or parading because there was such a shortage. They had a shortage of bullets, didn't they? They had. Um, only a, a few right. a few grenades right. and, and very little weapons. So Tom Barry's right. flying column then was um was were they on almost like full time patroller on West Cork, was it? Um I'm not sure about that actually. It is I, I suppose I'd be listening to my my mother's recounts of, 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 of what happened, you know. Um the of the, the ambush itself. Um oh. That, that's that's what I'd have kind of grown up listening to, and I, I, I suppose on on the part of that, my my mother would have, she would have never have kind of boasted about it, you know. It it happened, and it it wouldn't have been spoken about a lot because I think she wouldn't have liked us, you know, kind of being involved in anything ourselves. 
so it would have been it would have been kind of matter of fact um, it had to be done and that was that you know and she would have she would have spoken of of nice black and tans as well you know um, my my grandfather was 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 taken away to um, it was I think it was short it was after that after the ambush um, my grandfather there was a he worked in intelligence that would be my mother's father and he uh, she spoke of him carrying a message in his hat to blow up um, Ross Carberry barracks and uh, he was taken away or they would have burnt the house down and um, he was tied to the cab of a, a truck and uh, driven to the prison so that uh, they wouldn't be fired at um, put in front of a, a trained boxer who knocked a, knocked a piece out of his jaw he was never right um, after that. You know, so it's, he wasn't right after that. He died, a, he died a young man of cancer. And, you know, that's that's probably, but he, he spoke when he was in prison of um, um, one of the, the black and tens. And I suppose it, it's why I remember this one, because when I was 16 or 17 listening to this story, I smoked and I have a brother, Tim, as well. And, uh, and my mother, of course, hated the smoking. But if I said one of the IRA, or sorry, the black and tens had said to my, my grandfather, will you have to fight him? And uh, I would say that to my brother and my mother smiling because it, it brought back the memory of what her father used to say. <laughs> uh, for many for many years, of course, people didn't talk about the events of the of the 1920s or even 1916, for that matter. It was very much unspoken about. But we are talking about it more now. But what is, it, is it fair to say that, yes. uh, that I read that for many years after, say, and, and we'll talk about Kilmichael in a moment, but seeing as you brought this up, that for many years afterwards, even the men of the Flying Column didn't talk about it or brag about it or suffered a lot of psychological damage because of it that's right yeah i i think it was i suppose it was kind of it was kind of war and things had to be done and i don't think they were they were terribly um i mean i don't think anyone enjoys killing another person but um it, it was it, it just something had to be done about the situation you know yeah and of course there was a lot of propaganda put up by the british afterwards telling lies about um uh, that uh, the um the columns are sorry that the the soldiers that the oxies had surrendered uh, but what's your and that was shot after surrender of course that was a lie, wasn't it? Well, I, I think it was because I think there was some American writer who was trying to say that um, that you know that that hadn't happened that the, the false surrender and by uh, by all accounts it had happened and um, I think some some report had been sent to London or something like that a typed up report but um, apparently from Tom Barry I think but it hadn't been signed or anything you know it was probably fabricated but um, all. All reports at the time that uh, what what Tom Barry said happened, you know. And what's the story that was handed down between the generations in your family that they they marched for many many hours in the dark and night, in the cold and the wet, and they they crouched in waiting for the columns, was it, or for the for the um, for the two lorries of soldiers? That's right, and like um, when I, when I used to remember my mother telling it, it was that they weren't expecting the second the second. Um, the second lorry to arrive of 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 um of black and tens, but um it it seems they they were expecting them, but I, um and that my my own, my granduncle Jim had been killed from a, a ricocheted um, bullet. Yeah, but um, it, it I suppose it 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 depends what what report you read. You know, the stories do kind of differ. But um, but didn't Barry you know, stand in it, the it didn't, very well? Have. Didn't Tom Barry stand in the middle of the road and uh, and throw a. A, a grenade? Uh, a grenade. 
Or, he did, yeah, yeah, and that started the whole the whole ball rolling, I suppose. But yeah, it it was the um, you know uh, rep- reports of the soldiers being butchered and whatnot. But there was a lot of kind of propaganda put out after it. But by the end of the shootout, um, seventeen of the auxiliaries lay dead. One ran away, was subsequently caught the next day, but three of the flying column also lay dead, right? That's right. Um, um, Michael Michael McCarthy and uh, my my granduncle Jim O'Sullivan and um, um, were were killed instantly. Um, and Pat DC was injured and he died later. He was very young, um, wasn't so he? he didn't, um, I think he was, um, and, and I, I suppose what I remember about that was that um, the, the the bodies had to be hidden, and they were kept in I think in a, a nearby house, um, Bottomers, and then they were later stored in a, a bog for a few days. Yeah, I know the family in the house couldn't keep them because if they were found, they'd have all been shot and the house burnt That's down. Right. Yeah, I, oh, I think I think I read Absolutely. that Pat DC was a, was in his late teens and he followed the flying column unbeknownst to them so you had to stay with them oh yes do you remember that yes yes um, I, I, I think I heard something about that alright um, I, I remember and, and again my, my mother was saying that uh, when 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 Jim O'Sullivan was, was, was leaving for the ambush he said goodbye to his family and kind of uh, you know he, he, he she feels that uh, he, he felt he knew he wouldn't be coming back and then again to the to the surrender aspect of it all it, it was what, what, what we believe happened, of course, was that some of the Oxys surrendered and put down their rifles. And when the flying column then started to approach them, the Oxys pulled out revolvers and started shooting again, I believe. That's right. That's right. And that, that, that seems to be the most accurate uh, account of what happened. And, uh, and of course, then they had to disperse back into the mountains and over the hills to safety, which they did. But what, right. what about the coming days afterwards then when word got to Dublin Castle? Were there large scale reprisals then? Um, I'm not sure, actually. Um, I, I, the, my my knowledge is very much around the, my mother's my mother's few uh, few stories, you know. Um, but I'd imagine there would have been there would have been large scale reprisals, yeah. Because my remem- my re- memory of that was that they they did converge in large numbers um, and uh, scourged the population. And in fact, out of Macroom, I think the auxiliary division there was based in Macroom Castle. And didn't they say there was martial law after Kilmichael? And didn't they say that any man found walking around with his hands in his pockets would be shot on sight? But his, that's correct. Yeah, with his hands in his pockets. That's right. My God! Yeah. So yeah, you can imagine you can imagine the way it was afterwards. And and so there after Kilmichael then, um, because the burning of Cork wasn't too far afterwards. Um, the British and the auxiliaries and the Tans must have been absolutely gunning for revenge. Were there? There were more ambushes to come. Of course, Cross Barry will be the hundredth anniversary next year. But do you think that Kil, right. that Kilmichael? Um, kind of fuel the fire for what happened then with regards to say the burning of Cork well, I'd, I'd say like only for only for Kilmichael now we'd, we'd, we'd all be sailing, singing God Save the Queen you know yeah, but that's, know. that's yeah. that, was, that instigated that, that started everything you know towards independence you think it put a dent absolutely absolutely yeah it was the, it was the main the main event that got, got things started 
One, one of the more interesting aspects to all of this, and a lot of the information, you, you probably will agree with me, Peter, can be found in the pension applications of those who fought afterwards. Are you aware of all of those? I remember, I think my, my grandmother would have been, had, had looked for um, a pension at the time and was refused, as far as I know, um, because of it. So they would have, they would have, they would have held back um, that time, and it was the same for Kevin Barry, I think, for his family. It was very sad. Yeah. pension afterwards. It, it was very sad because read, they had to write and almost plead their case um, and go into chapter and verse why they deserved it. Even even Tom Barry himself got knocked back from an A pension to a B pension. And he took that very badly. He ultimately yes. got the A pension in the end. Isn't that right? Yes, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it was it was an awful shame they had to actually go through that when applying for a pension that they... It must have been humiliating for them, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. For all they've done, you know? And will... will you? Yeah, I give, give you up their lights. Yeah. Will you, mark, will you mark tomorrow in any particular way? Um, myself and a few friends are going to are going to travel the route that the that the volunteers took um, on the on the, the 28th of November 1920 uh, just as, a, as it's the least that we can do I suppose as a mark of respect to your grand uncle and so, Jim, o, Jim O'Sullivan Pat DC Michael McCarthy and also those that survived it oh and, and what is the route um, it's it's um, from Castletown Kenna to um, to Kilmichael and uh, my my friend now is, is a lot better at uh, and he lives down around there. He's 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 on the logistics side, so he's going to organise that. He'll know the way. I think Castletown so, Kinna uh, is where the three where the three lads were buried, doesn't it? That's right. So we'll 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 stop and we'll say a few prayers there first, and we'll we'll move on then. Um, so it's about a, about a four and a half hour trek. Well, I hope, so um, hope yeah, you, I'm looking forward to it. Now. Good man. I hope you get the weather and mark that very important event. You say the most important event in the War of Independence. It certainly Absolutely. was. It certainly was um, the certainly the most deaths anyway in any ambush, wasn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. A hundred years ago, Saturday. Peter, thank you so much for taking the call. I appreciate it. Thanks, Neil. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. The Neil Prenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Yes, indeed. And in a few weeks' time, we'll be talking more about the events of the War of Independence, particularly with regards to the burning of Cork. So next week, yeah, somebody said to me, um, have you seen the clip on YouTube? It's uh, the reporter visiting an early morning uh, an early morning pub in the in 1980 in Cork. Yes, I have seen it. Dom Daly sent to me during the week. Thank you, Dom. And it's uh, Pat Butler, and he's inside in one of the early houses on um, Union Quay, I believe. And Jimmy Crowley sings um, boozing. Jolly bloody well boozing inside. Then the boozer is jammed in the morning with Dockers, uh, who didn't get a start that morning. So we'll talk more things Cork next week, particularly with regards to Cork accents and Cork slang and Cork characters and Cork traditions. But I'm out of time for now. Just a few shout outs before I love you and leave you to everybody in Iscara Motors for Free Food Friday, everybody at Sweet King Factory in Little Island, to Natasha and baby Lucy listening in Clonakilty. Would love pizza for the family, but a big shout out to you. Emma Hickey and Ballady Hobb is working hard. Everybody at EWL and Sarsfield Hill and Wilton. To Jerry Lynch personal training and Balancholic to everybody at Headway Balancholic as well for all of the gang at Santry's Pharmacy Washington Street, Glanmar Credit Union Willie Strange and Ricky Donovan both working in Willie's front room as tasters for Bulmers <laughs> just stop 
Oh my God, I've laughed way too much today. Trevor Toolhire on the Black uh, on the Victoria Road, Caltech and Ducloin, and my daughter Kaylee who loves uh, Oak Fire Pizza, working at home since March. Everybody in Wallstown in Mallow, We'd love to surprise everybody at uh, Avonlea Avonlea Garden Centre in Black Rock as well. Uh, I have triplets who are celebrating their 13th birthday today. They need pizza. Ronan Meldrum and all the lads in Smurfits uh, for pizza. Hurtle are listening this morning. Cheeky Cherubs are on board and everybody working at home in the O'Connor household in Clodera this morning. Pizza for everybody at Waters Glass in the Marina Commercial Park. For everybody at Argos and Mahan. VMware are listening. Smurfit Kappa are listening. I'm working since home since March 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. Do my best to say positive. This is Ailish in Mitchellstown. Uh, Monster DG and Paladuff are listening. Walsh's Pharmacy in Shandon Street. Magic Vacations in Kinsale. Benson's making PPE. Morning, Tracy. Didi Security in Ballycoreen. Ballycore- uh, I'm a mother of one working from uh, home all through the pandemic. My partner's a frontline member of staff in the CUH. We'd love pizza for the toy show. Everybody at the book station. Douglas Community School. Northside Tires. Nurture Child Claire Blackrock. Um, Tobin Shop in Grona Braher, MJ Flood, Little Island, Europarts in Ducloin, and everybody at Common Sports Warehouse in Little Island. I'm out of time with the shout-outs for now. We'll pick a few winners in a moment. Just while that is happening, here is our fifth and final giveaway for the Carrigaline Court Hotel. This is for an overnight for a couple or a family. Uh, overnight B&B and a four-course meal. So this is a TV series, so we want the actor, the character that he plays, and also the television series. Have a listen. I think the check-in is that one. Who is that? 1-850-104-106. Our winners for Free Food Friday. We have large, the biggest pizzas you can get from Oak Fire Pizza. And we'll be sharing them with the clerical staff in Anglesey Street Garda Station. To Neil from Wallstown and Mallow. I'd love to surprise Mae Keating from Black Rock with a pizza sent with love from her son Darren. Her daughter-in-law Michelle. Her grandkids Adam and Emma. She's been uh, weeks now and we haven't seen her because of lockdown. It would be a great treat for my ma'am. She's the best ma'am in the world. So that's for... Uh, May Keating and Blackrock from your son Neil who's doing it for you and Benson's Workwear making PPE listening every day would love some pizza says Tracy Mackesy so we'll be sharing the vouchers with you guys and we'll do all that again next week but the last bit of business and you guessed it I've left it too late again what are you gonna do if I'd sense I'd be dangerous just like home hampers, which you can order yourself directly, just like home.ie. Both of my lovely sons are abroad. One lives in Thailand with his wife and our darling grandson, who is four and is the light of my life. My other son lives in Singapore with his wife. They're expecting their first baby in early February. I'd love for them more than words can say because I'd miss them every single day. Unfortunately, none of them will get home for Christmas because of COVID. Normally, we get to see them twice a year. They come home once and we travel once. We're gutted that we won't get to see our new grandchild in February and don't know what it'll be like before we do. My husband and myself haven't been out since March except for grocery shopping and a walk. So we're very, very lonely. It would mean the world to us if, I, if our sons deserved a just like home hamper and received one from you. I know they'd be thrilled as they love their food and miss, miss the Irish products. They tune into your program regularly and love hearing everything that's happening in Cork. Well, I hope they were entertained by Bimbo the monkey and Taxi the parrot. Wishing you a happy Christmas, Neil, and to you and all of yours. That's from Lillian Prunty who sent that in with uh, lovely photographs as well of Lawrence Prunty and uh, who's overseas in Bangkok. 
Um, I only have one address there, but I'm sure you'll send me the other one. Uh, but anyway, I'm only doing readouts at this stage because uh, we'll start picking winners next week as we go ahead. And that's just a fast one then. Jamie, 11 years old, when Dylan was born with Down syndrome. Jamie did everything to encourage his brother to be the best he could and he adores them. Three years ago, Jay's friend came home from, us, from Christmas from Australia and made a comment that it was a pity he wouldn't go back to Australia with him. Um, but he understood that he couldn't leave Dylan. Shortly afterwards, I explained to Jay that he has to live his own life while my husband and myself are healthy. So he went off to Australia. In March, after two and a half years away, he planned a big surprise for my 50th. Uh, but he had to ring to say that due to COVID, he couldn't make it and we're devastated. We talk every day, swap recipes. He's always telling me that he craves a Creole from KC's in Douglas. He loves all things Cork and loves hearing the gossip. Jamie is heading to Sydney with his cousin Chloe for a few weeks over Christmas and they've be ecstatic to receive a hamper from Just Like Home. Can you help them? Says Shauna O'Brien. And thank you for the lovely photographs of all of the family that you sent me down in Australia. So we'll do some more of those shout-outs again next week. A lot more next week. From now, for now though, I'm out of time. A congratulations to Colette Connolly in Sunny Kinsale. David Schwimmer playing Ross Geller in Friends. So there's a, an overnight view in the family in the Carrigaline Court Hotel. I gotta go, guys. Have a good weekend. I'll see you Monday. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.